we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical consultant, on the news cycle of people that make it and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I, I was just, I was over at AEI tonight for an event. I was listening to, to a lecture. I know. Yeah, I'm terrible. I'm awful. I was listening to you all 11 given a, a really interesting presentation. Um, but when I'm not doing that, I do things at Freethink Media and they're various things and they're of great importance. Um, and today, tonight, this evening, I'm joined by Mike Moynihan of Vice News and Matt Welch, editor at Large Reason Magazine. Gentlemen, it's wonderful to be with you, to be joining you. Um, with with uh, Honestly, I mean, I don't even know if we knew we were going to record like an hour ago, but here I we are we doing knew. it, and it's going to be great. It's, Minimal preparation. I knew. We I just still got the COVID really bad. How is that, by the way? Oh, my God, it's brutal. Yeah, there's a new outbreak in New York. What the hell is going on there? So if you don't subscribe to the to the Substack, you're a complete freeloading loser. <laughs> and we true. hate you. And like <laughs> yeah. everyone's kids are hungry because of you. But we could and love so you. We could love we could you. Love you. Yeah. Pay for it and we love you. That's we right. Love you a long time, as somebody once said. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. So uh yeah, we did that. Bring daddy uh, as money, had, baby. Bring daddy as money. <laughs> just uh tested positive for COVID after feeling horrible. And this is the amazing thing is like, I got like 78 vaccines. I'm, I'm drinking <laughs> Pfizer shakes in the morning that they tell you to do. Uh, Dr. Fauci came over for, uh, for Yom Kippur. I mean, we're both Italian, but I don't know. We were just hanging out. And uh, then all of a sudden I'm like, this is like five days of this. And it's like miserable, like miserable. So I woke up in the middle of the night, like, and I can't, um, I just can't get back to sleep. So I, I ended up just watching crazy uh, shit on YouTube um, from like four to seven. Every day for the past five days, so I feel like ter- terrible. So Kanye interviews. No, mostly the Flaming Lips recorded like Holocaust now with a fourteen-year-old girl, and it's really good. I can't. I it's can't believe that story. It, it, she's like, called it's, Nell, it, and her dad fantastic. was a fan of the Flaming Lips, and dressed her up in a parrot costume or something, brought her a concert, and they like yep. brought her on a stage times. or something. And then it was COVID, so they recorded a record with her, and it's and it's all Nick Cave covers, and it's really good. So this <laughs> yes. is the shit that you find when you're <laughs> like so delusional, um, uh, overwhelmed by COVID. Yeah, so. I want to I want to uh, to point out that not only did we record uh, an episode Sunday, subscribers uh, where Michael was literally in bed. I, we didn't fully bed. see yeah. it until yeah. at the end. He yeah. like showed it. He was in bed and it's bad. Uh, I do another podcast from my day job on Monday, so it was the next day. And one of the uh, of uh, people there also in bed. Catherine Mangue Ward uh, fractured her oh, kneecap goodness. and she can't goodness. move, and she's like hopped up on uh, whatever wow. painkillers yeah, she can get her. her robot fingers oh, on um so yeah amazing. i'm just like everyone's in bed it's fucking john and yoko <laughs> I, I, I emailed uh, my doctor and was like hey should i be worried about should i take anything to respond to me <laughs> appreciate it this is a horrible thing about new york well, he's so flid like fucking factory they don't even pay attention to you. well he may have his hands full because I, as i sent the link earlier apparently covid rates are above 20 percent now on the island of manhattan um and i suspect right? Since you traversed there a great deal, it's almost certainly where yeah, or where how you picked it, it up sure. in some way, shape, yeah. or form. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to come as, back, but I'm stuck here. Yeah. How many other people do you know that are currently infected in the city now? With what? With, with COVID. <laughs> a lot of answers yeah. to that question. With COVID. Let's just k- stick to COVID right now. <laughs> um, in the past couple Not weeks. Not the ones where there's yeah. pus at the end of. Yeah. Four or five. 
Okay. So in the new yeah. surge, in the new surge, you kind of yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. know what's going on. I mean, the death yeah, rate yeah, yeah, yeah. is still not really But it, though, it's right? also like, I mean, a preponderance of people who um, in the back to school era have, like uh, my daughter was out on Monday. Uh, hey, I've got a, a little sore a throat. It's kind of dry, a little scratchy mm -hmm. cough. Um, and, uh, and, you know, drippy nose and, uh, and clammy forehead and, and she said today, it was just basically the COVID symptoms, but uh, tested negative yeah, go to and school. went back to school. Fine. But everyone's yeah, got, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's totally fine. Unless yeah. unless it's next year and you don't have a vaccine, um, and, and which it's a d different situation, depending on whether you listen to Tucker Carlson or the Washington I, I Post. Miss, I missed my first shoot of all that. time, by the way. First time I've ever missed a shoot. Really? Yep, true. Never, 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 never. Did they one. get someone to sub in for you? They did. I felt horrible about it. Because you think about having COVID and you're like, um, they're like, you guys, are you ready? It's uh, we're shooting tomorrow. Seven camera shoot, fifteen people coming Jeez. from blah blah blah. And Jeez. then I'm like, I have COVID. I'm like, they think I'm lying. <laughs> they must think I'm lying. And I'm like, I literally want to do nothing but shoot. I'm I'm so desperate to get out and shoot something. And I'm like, I, how do I do? Do I send them a, a, a the COVID test? Which I did. Yeah. Actually. I was like, this is what's going on. Yeah. And I mean, I it's it had like a you know, a royalty free thing on top of it. It was like, yeah. clearly I got it from an archive. Like, give me a COVID test in, in Google. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are the signs behind you all in, all in like Turkish? I'm like, I don't know. Istanbul. But yeah, no, it's, been, it's been absolutely brutal. And I just don't know when it's going to fucking end. Well, considering so. we're already on COVID, maybe we should talk quickly about this, the, the sure. current drama with the CDC. There was a meeting today to vote on whether or not COVID vaccines, and there's, it depends on who you read, um, but the facts are that to vote on whether or not COVID vaccines should be included in a program that provides free vaccinations for um, uh, impoverished children. I think that was the, the program that there was approval for later this week, um, Thursday, and we're recording on Wednesday night, so tomorrow, um, there is going to be another vote uh, on whether or not the COVID vaccine should be added to the list of um, recommended vaccinations for children. And as a result of this double whammy, um, there's been a lot of misreporting about what today's vote was. The vote today was to approve it, to add to this uh, federal program that makes vaccines widely available. The vote tomorrow is about whether or not to add it to the recommendations list. And the reporting that was going around, um, which was promoted prominently by one Tucker Carlson at Fox News, was that this was going to mandate vaccinations for children in order to go to school. Um, and it, it turns out that that is not quite the case, uh, because as this, this body, um, <laughs> the body is named, this is a recommendations committee, um, they vote on whether or not to recommend this as part of the battery of vaccinations that children receive um, and not oblige people to get the vaccination. Um, so that's not the case. Um, and it is sparked uh, confusion and outrage. And uh, Washington Post column, for example, titled false claims that CDC will re would require vaccinations for kids goes viral. Um, there was uh, one respondent. Um, in the in the article, who was described as a top health official, former top health official, I believe worked um, under the Trump administration, who said that this is a new level 
of dangerous misinformation, the suggestion that this was a mandate. No, it's not. I don't think so either. That's not a new level. That's really not a new level. It doesn't really seem like it. We've got a lot of levels. That's not one of them. It doesn't seem like it. Really not one of them. I mean, I I don't know if you guys watched Tucker's segment in his tweet. He does, in fact, say erroneously that the CDC will be mandating immunizations um, for children in order for them to go to school. Um, And that is not quite true. There's some nuance there that's worth unpacking. Um, But did you guys get to watch the segment at all? Like Kanye West videos <laughs> that you send to me, I I we should talk about that. That's your homework. Yeah, we gotta talk about that. Anti-Semitism uh, for some reason. Well, that is yeah. that that is cold. Uh, is one of Kanye's classic hits, and we should talk about that as well. Um, <laughs> but no, this this is something. Uh, no, but like the the I know enough about CDC and COVID related things, um, and the way that their recommendations work um, to already be very irritated at almost all the discussion about this. Um, which is to say, um, yes, they cannot mandate things. It's inaccurately, it's inaccurate journalistically to say the CDC just mandated a vaccine thing. That's not how vaccinations work. Vaccinations are done at the state and local level almost entirely. Their decisions made, school districts, states, whatever. I feel a but um, coming on. Um, and 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 it's a, never a but. Like I believe in the First Amendment, <laughs> and I want to punch. You know, certain people in the face, but uh, um, uh, no, it's where the CDC makes its recommendations. Um, the places that are tend to be um, Democratic heavy. Um, we saw this with school closures, especially, but not only on school closures, on on all the aspects of what it would take to open up schools. Um, they took CDC recommendations at the letter. And said, whenever pressed on it, well, the CDC mm-hmm. says that we have to do this. And that's why um, here in New York City or in Chicago or in Washington, D.C. or in Los Angeles and always, you know, Seattle, for, uh, for God's sake, Seattle, where they uh, never forget, they um, uh, mandated masks for people who are walking outside in national parks mm-hmm. until I think it was sometime in like mid 2021. It might have even been later. But in schools, particularly New York State. Based on CD rec- CDC recommendations that were only changed a few months back, uh, New York State required every congregate setting where there might be a two to four year old uh, to uh, require masking. They were the um, last ones. Could be a daycare. Right. They're the last this ones, was, and uh, and their their recommendation was. <laughs> I think it lasted even longer than the CDC's, but like it's sort of like a, <laughs> um, a, a a not a big important decision on the CDC's part. So, of course, they're not mandating it, but like it's an excuse for local busybodies in places where the concept of public health is really meddlesome and they will push as hard as they can wherever they can. And where you can the most is when it involves children because children don't have political power. And you can always say we're doing this X for the children. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they also don't fucking die yes. of COVID um, in any appreciable Which is numbers. Which not to say that they can't so, die of uh, COVID. Yeah, Tucker, it's just that they generally I mean, do not. Correct. I want to be careful that we're yeah. not propagating misinformation. It's just that they almost never do. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they really Some do. have, and it's a really small number. So, no, Tucker is wrong. Um, and also, if he changed the wording on that tweet with instead of, you know, would um you know changing that to perhaps will uh instead of saying mandating all saying mm-hmm. ma- you know it'll lead to some and then it's basically correct that's what w- if and when they say and accept this 
um, to be an international outlier. It would be if they say that uh, kids under a certain age need to be vaccinated. That's not the general way that's being approached in the European Union, for example. Um, if, so if that happens, um, it is going to lead to vaccine mandates, at least in the letter of the law. Um, we will see whether um, if people try to apply that, there's so much pushback that they'll see what happened in California. California was supposed to have all K through 12 kids mm -hmm. for the most part. It could be sanding down some edges um, vaccinated before this school year. And they kind of quietly yeah. stop that because they're losing so many uh, students from the K through 12 system that uh, they don't have any money anymore. They have to fire And, and kids are also just not getting the vaccination. I, I did yeah. pull up the numbers earlier today. Just not, and no. It's four, four months after vaccine authorization, 9% of kids uh, five months to four years uh, have it. 32% of kids five to 11 and 43% of kids 12 to 15. Now, there's a great deal of variance by state. Some of the states are much higher, especially in that 12 to 15 range. Bro Brooklyn but in general, kids are yeah. not getting vaccinated. And the 2%, yeah, the 2 are the line. white supremacists who live in the city and commit all the murders. At home. That is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, you, you know what you should do? I came across this today. Uh, you should go back and watch the end of comedy. Um, there's a moment where comedy ended. It was about a year ago. Um, <laughs> and we'll remember it. Uh, it's not like Pearl Harbor. Everyone remembered that day. It was going to be a day that lived in infamy. Uh, this one we're going to have to remember. The day that Stephen Colbert did a song and dance uh, oh with, God. about oh vaccines God. with oh people yes. dressed up as needles. <laughs> and like men yeah. in go-go yeah. dresses with beards and needles coming out of their hands. Do you remember this? Uh, it's like literally like I you do. are you've gone from like a, a like a funny person to a kind of funny person to like a political hack to just like a total hack on <laughs> you're doing you're doing like PSAs for kids and it was just bizarre but so I thought you were going to say now, something about Megan St Megan the Stallion on SNL but apparently I didn't, I didn't comedy had ended long before that yeah well, that that's wasn't why funny. I don't watch it anymore so, comedy yeah. ended yeah, good for you. I think even Lauren Michaels has given up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's no rebuilding year this year. There's just, you can't rebuild with these people. Yeah. But uh, no, I think the change is, you know, there used to be when vaccines were starting be to become widely available, the conversation was mostly about, and that's why you have these Stephen Colbert um, jokey things, which are ultimately attacks on people who don't want to get vaccinated or are skeptical of it and the rest of it, is that we had this conversation where the people that were being problematic, right? People that were being difficult. We had to talk about the media all the time were these kind of pesky right-wingers and the Joe Rogan listeners and people talking about ivermectin and putting warning labels on anything that you saw on YouTube or listened to on Spotify, mm -hmm. which I think we have that warning label too. I don't know. I think everybody does maybe. If you even discuss COVID, I think they try to- We had it gotten it on so a Spotify episode or two at some point. Yeah, maybe, it's, it's maybe, just because like- I don't remember exactly COVID. what happened, yeah. And it was told to us that it, that was why. It wasn't that we actually said anything. It was like, if you discuss it, we're mm -hmm. trying not to, you know, stigmatize people, I guess, you know, unlike Joe Rogan. Yeah. Um, but that was the point. But now the point, it seems like that we're having a conversation from the other direction. You know, the other direction being like, we don't talk about ivermectin. We don't talk about vaccine skepticism the way that we used to. Because as a political battle, it seems to have, you know, ebbed a little bit. And now it's a kind of different conversation that we're having, like, you know, do we vaccinate five-year-olds? Do we actually update people on where we are in this pandemic? Is it is it is still a pandemic? Is it over? I mean, the president mm -hmm. declared it over. And then, of course, like everything he says, 45 <laughs> people come out of the woodwork like with ninja outfits on and say he didn't mean that. And it's like, oh, okay, he didn't mean that one. But he thinks it's over kind of thing. Because what I would love to do, 
and I've said this before, to have a day of, it's like a day of atonement, like a day of updating in which <laughs> the government stops its pointless exercises in like, you know, making Stephen Colbert like films about get vaccinated. You know, it's like literally like Troy McClure from The Simpsons <laughs> and like actually update. So I'll give you an example. This someone sent something to me of a work situation and it was at their office and it was something about like paper cups. Like we don't actually have um, silverware here anymore because we have paper cups and we have, you know, it's like, that's not update. Like what universe is that where you can't have, like, do you go to restaurants? Do you think they destroy, they burn all the plates after? Do you think they throw them out the window and just buy new plates? Like, no, they wash them, you fucking morons. That's the first thing. The second one is like, <clears throat> I saw a concert, a link to something, and it was a concert, it was in the UK, and I can't remember what band it was, but it was a discussion on Reddit, and the conversation on Reddit was like, wait, there's two different things, one from the band's website and one from the venue's website, and they both say different things. Do I need to have a PCR test, or can I show them my vaccine card and everyone was like no you just vaccine cards fine it's like what do you it was 20 percent mm -hmm. in new york right now and with like 90 percent vaccination do we need to explain to people that this is no longer what we think it does mm -hmm. it confers protection against hospitalization but not against transmission mm -hmm. do we need to tell people that because for some reason there's an assumption that like you know, you can't wear too many condoms. <laughs> you can just like have five on. It's like, no, just put five on. It's fine. Like, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. Like, no, no, no. What, what? You don't think five? But put five on. Stop it. It's more, it's, it's for more protection. Like this is the thing. It's like, well, you know, just wash your groceries. It's like, no, no, no. It's actually bad when you tell people that, that quote unquote science on this hasn't changed. And I would love for somebody to do actually a thing that's not super partisan and is not super angry, but just goes back and says, look, we understand that people learn things about diseases as they develop and as we research them and as scientists look at them and look at how they proliferate, right? That's fine, right? And we're not, this is not recriminations here. But I do want to challenge the idea that, you know, believe the science because I just want, I literally want a, like a big tabulation, a big uh, Excel spreadsheet, if any listener wants to make this, and put in the claims that were made either by the CDC, local governments, you know, you know, our, our sexual harasser and his brother who was stuck in the basement, the Cuomo, the Cuomo boys, it's like <laughs> as an S.E. Hinton book, the Cuomo boys, all the things that they said. And again, this is not to say that they shouldn't have said them. And, that, you know, and, and, and I think of this because like, what do we need to give kids? I don't even know what people are saying at this point because everything changes so quickly mm -hmm. and I don't blame people for it. You know what I think is really interesting? Who's attacking Ron DeSantis at this point? Remember when that was every day? Oh yeah, you know, driving, driving like De you know, death, de death Santis and driving scores, scores of people around. will die. Yeah, who's doing yeah, that? The, the the Grim yes, Reaper on the beach. On the Grim beach. Reaper on the beach. Yes. <laughs> yeah, on the on the fucking beach. beach. Like seriously, he, he on the beach of, in Florida. He died of the Grim Reaper. You're, you're, he died of he COVID. He probably was beat to death by somebody on the beach. But fucking angry hobo. It's fucking Cuban worked him. <laughs> it's probably the most dangerous thing dressed as a reaper. But like, honestly, let's have, like, okay, so we don't talk about that anymore. And we maybe will try to bring it up again in 2024 when DeSantis runs and not bring it up again in the, in the Charlie Crist race. All the so dead bodies. Kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, on a national level, it will be on Florida. But, mm -hmm. like, we're not, no? Is that mean, does that mean we've conceded? Or, or, are people so obsessed with politics that they're not going to say, you know what, at the time, it struck me that Ron DeSantis was playing fast and loose with the facts and with people's lives. 
it turned out he was more right than I was. It won't happen. One Dear person. God, would, if, even you if saying one person, that. I got if this one person. Ever happened. That's all I want. I mean, think of... Think about it in terms of, of school yeah. opening, yeah. right? How many articles and studies have there been done yeah. by now about what an absolute catastrophe fuck yeah. it was to close schools for as long as America did, which is more than any other country that isn't a dumb country like China. <laughs> um, and uh, I call it the source uh, country. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and so every single publication of any size has run a piece talking about this, ProPublica, New Yorker, yeah. whatever, it doesn't matter, Atlantic, gigantic amounts of journalism, gigantic amounts of studies, that it's horrible and, and it's a catastrophe. Um, so you would think of all the uh, issues in which people is ripe for saying, you know what, in September 2020, I said that uh, he was death Santis, and I said that Trump and Betsy DeVos uh, wanted to kill children, and that's why they uh -huh. wanted to uh, reopen schools in, first, in yeah. June. Kill grandma and children and teachers, kind of in some order. Um, I said those things. Um, I said that uh, schools, public schools, as uh, Governor uh, Cuomo and uh, teachers union uh, propaganda had said as late as the fall or late summer of 2021. Right. So even after a year of DeSantis being proven basically right, um, they were still putting out ads uh, saying that schools were going to be super spreader events. <laughs> um those people, yeah, I mean, it's, take it home and give it you to see the and damage and the wreckage yeah. all all around us and you still won't come out and say, you know what? I sorry. Well, I kind of went too far in the other direction and I was wrong. And there's one of all of the um, the things that would fulfill Moynihan's idea about an Excel sheet that just sort of calmly lays out who said what when I just want to see it. and <laughs> just see it the the thing that actually does make me mad is Rochelle Walensky because she was at uh Boston whatever uh Harvard um and Boston was Harvard. asked by a local school district in one of those places that have bad names that don't spell Worcester Muster Master whatever um and was asked by a local school district in the summer of 2020 uh. Um, in her role as head of infectious diseases at a, a prestigious Boston hospital, um, do you think we can open the schools? And she said, yeah, uh, we should, uh, you know, the, the then CDC recommendations, there's those things again, that you had to have, uh, you know, six feet of social distancing. She said in this letter, um, if that is preventing schools from being open full time, make that distance smaller, make it three feet, because it's more important um, to have schools open for everybody. And also the risk to kids isn't that significant. She said that in the summer of 2020 as a private citizen. She gets hired uh, as the head of the CDC under a new administration that's going to follow the science. We sure know it because, man, all the people who had Biden things in their yard and in their windows had the science thing as well. He appoints her. What do they do in February of 2021? Their long-awaited update of those same school recommendations that she was arguing against not nine months fucking before. She says, yeah, we're going to keep that six feet. And uh, also we're going to have, you know, you shouldn't do this to open up schools unless you satisfy all these other requirements. And if everyone would have listened to her, then 90 percent of schools in this country would have been closed. And what happened instead is that by then there had been so much damage done 
And by then, so many people had deferred to the CDC for so long and started to reap the wheel, whirl, whatever, you know what I mean? The wind. Uh, the wind uh, <laughs> um, politically, uh, with uh, Glenn Youngkin and the governor of New Jersey and all this kind of stuff, that people in Massachusetts and elsewhere said, okay, fuck it. We're not listening to the CDC anymore. And it was only after that. A month later that the CDC then changed its recommendation, not because the science changed even a little fucking bit, but because they lost their credibility with their core constituency, which is not the American people. It's with Democrats. Yeah. And all of that is fucked. All of that is you fucked. want someone who has a Churchillian vibe right, in a situation like this. Someone is going to come and give you everybody be calm. This is what we're going to do. Everything's going to be fantastic. Right. <laughs> Lewinsky comes in, and you remember this very well, when she's on TV, and she's getting all weepy. And this is a quote I had to pull it up because I love it so much. I'm going to pause here. This is in the middle of, you know, some political talking point. This is in 2021, right? This is uh, March, yeah. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to lose the script. I'm just going to go fucking rogue. Uh-oh. And I'm going to reflect <laughs> on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential where we are, and so much reason for hope. But right now, I'm scared. It's like, excuse me? What? No. You're the head of the CDC? What the no. fuck are you doing? You're getting scared and you're telling everyone about it? This is, why women, this is why women can't do those jobs. This is why you need a man to do those jobs. Because <laughs> ain't no man going to get up there and say, Lord, oh, I don't know. What's, I what's don't up, know. Kanye? That's it. Good oh, Lord. Man. Yeah, so, that's, so I, that Peter was Camille is dragging that. on the floor. It's yeah, fine. Was, yeah, who has a daughter and a wife? Camille West. Um, I do, and yeah, I wouldn't put yeah. them in charge either, because I, <laughs> I know oh, no. you know your job is. Oh no, dinner ready? Give oh, me a no. bed, girl. Oh no, oh, stop that crying. Stop that crying. <laughs> well, I was going to say it's not because of her gender, which isn't real. Uh, it's not because of the social construct that she believes in. That's true. It is. Uh, That's true. Yes. But of course, what happened was not due. I mean, we know that what, what happened there. You can look right. at the numbers of what happened uh, immediately after that. And it was. That's it because was her, her strategic tears saved us. That's what yeah, yeah, serious. They they Save confer protection against. <laughs> you know, you know what I think is is something that's you know here's the here's my unpopular opinion. Yes, um, it's a lot less unpopular than Camille's like rank sexism, <laughs> but um, mine is this. I think we're gonna gonna at some point redefine a lot of those deaths, uh, the COVID deaths. You think so? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think oh, so. Absolutely. Wow. absolutely. I mean, there's, we see bits of this already of of. The number of elderly people, the number of other people that were, you know, in the hospital with, in, you know, I mean, there was a point in which everybody had COVID. I mean, who is the person I saw this doctor? This is true. You, you think that you didn't have COVID, you have had COVID, and uh, particularly, you know, if you live in places like New York, Mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of those people who have had it, um, you know, got sick because of it, got sick, you know, in spite of it, and Mm -hmm. you know, there was there were a lot of people who died, and there was, I think, there was a, a well-intentioned mania. To you know, say this is everything in the hospital is is COVID, and you know, like there's a lot of like modeling too, and a lot of this stuff. And I'm not sure in the U.S. like what you know what percentage of that. I think most of it is just reported, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, you have all these things in the past of like you know modeling in places like Africa on 
you know, AIDS and differentiating that from malaria and all these stuff, these numbers move over time, but obviously those are very different because those are just models, whereas we're dealing with data. But that said, the data that we're using, it's not, it's not as if there was, you know, a corpse and you could, you know, prick them and it would say COVID death or not COVID death. There was a lot of interpretation yeah. and stuff like this. So I've just, I just, I wonder, I don't think it's going to go up either. It's, I think it's going to be defining it uh, down a little bit, but um, mm. that's my unpopular. Well, it's the difference between, between with and, you know, yeah, do too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, you see, you see already people are starting to kind of. Yeah, there's been some of those numbers, yeah, that have been refinagled. But hasn't there been some, some study data that's already based on like excess mortality um, yeah. that has estimated the number higher than the number of reported COVID deaths. And I mean, some of that work was like global. So that's not going to give you the U S yeah. numbers, which may be overestimated in a, in a US numbers are quite high sort of compared to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose the too. challenge is that the, I just don't know what sort of methodology you would use to actually pull out the, the number of excess or overcount that was likely to have happened. Yeah. Um, at, at best it would be some sort of estimate which i suspect would actually be roundly ignored like yeah. no one no no, no. my, would pay see, my argument here is that yeah. i don't know anything about this it's basically an <laughs> based on ignorance but it's like from what i've seen and from you know the way people mm -hmm. look it was one of those things like at the beginning of the iraq war mm -hmm. the number of civilian casualties like in the first year people were like it's a million and i was mm -hmm. like you really want it to be a million because you are it was always coming from people who were very much opposed to the war, right? Mm -hmm. And they would say that they would get, get the highest possible number and they would go with that. And it turns out that wasn't, you know, that Lancet study that was a million turned out not to be true or be a budget right. study. The, the number was extraordinarily high and offensively high and offensive that it existed at all. But it wasn't as high as people said it was. And, you know, I came from the place of like, I don't want that many innocent people to die. You seem to want that mm -hmm. for some political thing. And I think that there's a, there was a, a bit of that within COVID that I got the sense that people were just really kind of trying to juice yeah, the yeah, without as much a, without as they a doubt. Could. No, the catastrophe. Like, I don't porn. want to juice the numbers. I don't want people to be dying of this stuff. God, the daily I just counter. I wonder if there's going to yeah. be some mm -hmm. some kind of correction on that when all the politics have been flushed away. I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, but it's just a guess. Just a guess. And part of the excess deaths picture obviously is stuff that has mm -hmm. to do with what the regimes that right. COVID created. I don't mean that in the capital R sense, but just the <laughs> the, the lockdowns, the the right. disruptions in social, professional, personal yeah, yeah. life, which are pretty yeah. significant, um, and you know, and, and and lean into the pre-existing trends mm -hmm. in America of reduced life expectancy, obesity, uh, and deaths right, of despair, right. the suicides, the overdoses, yeah, cheery stuff. Yeah. We got a lot of fatties here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we I should turn. We turn our attention to uh, to another topic, uh, and we could perhaps talk about the midterms. There's been some interesting polling data mm -hmm. um this week um i know our friend uh, steve kranaki um was looking at this midterm data the top line on all of this is that yeah. there is some concern amongst people on the left that democrats may have peaked that the early indications that they might be able to resist the coming red wave hold on to congress um, at the midterms uh, seems to at least some of that enthusiasm is flailing. Some of their star yeah. candidates are struggling um, mm -hmm. to find their footing um, and certain cr insane Republican candidates simply uh, continue to be alive for reasons mm -hmm. that are just bizarre. 
Uh, <laughs> can't be can't be Should easily understood. This, yeah. um, we totally should. Um, but yeah. what what did you guys see um, in the polling this week that really stood out to you? Um, yeah, in, in, I mean, amongst all these different races. I mean, the 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 race I've been watching most closely is like the Georgia race, and I'm just fascinated by the it, unbelievable yeah. resilience of Herschel Walker. Um, because he seems like you he know, should be completely not, dead and they're separated by like two points. Not the worst debate performance of all time. Either. Well, I think it's weird because the bar is so very low for him. I think he did that on purpose. Honestly, yeah. I think the team did it on purpose. <laughs> just like, just go out there, hey, put, we get another put more abortion? marbles in your yeah. mouth. Get one on. More marbles yeah. in your mouth. Drink this. Yeah, <laughs> Drink it's like, this. Take a couple more shots of Johnny. Like, uh, did Herschel shit himself? Nope, he's good. Great. Good job. <laughs> Herschel, could you put the badge away? Put the badge away. A badge that he bought, I think, on Amazon. I'm a I'm a police officer. This is my police badge. I I ride with police, but, sir. Could you please put that away? No props. This is not a prop. It's a badge. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm going to arrest inflation. Like, oh man, I had to fuck? respond to that. I had to respond yeah. to that. The, yeah, the, uh, what I love about Warnock though is <laughs> saw him I, and was like, and I don't mean candidate. actually love. But what I yeah. what I loved about that exchange is where I actually says I'm not the one having like threatening to have shootouts with the police. I have to respond to that. He doesn't actually respond to the shootouts with police bit. He leave yeah. that unmolested because yeah. what can do I you do? Rem- <laughs> do you remember the amazing? Nobody's perfect. Before the death of comedy, do you remember the amazing? Uh, SNL sketch of the debate between George H.W. Bush and Dukakis and uh, the in, in what's his name John Lovitz was playing Dukakis and there's a moment where he looks at the camera yeah. and he goes I can't believe I'm losing to this guy <laughs> it's like yeah that's pretty yeah. much what Warnock is probably thinking of like what the fuck seriously it should not but, be two points separating the, you guys but there was one interesting yeah. thing though in the past the um, Tim Ryan J.D. Vance debate was actually pretty interesting mm-hmm. because I thought it was a, I thought they both did pretty well but the strongest answer I saw, and I saw it online, I don't know if you, I should have sent you the audio of this, maybe to pop it in, because it's a pretty good response. Um, when there was an implication, a pretty, I mean, implication pretty much basically said, uh, Tim Ryan said J.D. Vance is a racist because of his ideas about immigration. Mm-hmm. And Vance really rounded on him. And it was uh, did very well. And it actually, it sounded authentic and didn't sound like, if this is the answer that is given, please activate answer B. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he was mad and mm-hmm. he was like, he controlled himself and did it quite well. But, you know, and Brian had him on a few things when he was like, you know, I, I went up against Nancy Pelosi. You say, you know, because this is the, it's it's this is what happens in places like this. You talk about Nancy Pelosi the whole time if you're a Republican. Mm-hmm. And he spun it around and said, you know, you actually called Donald Trump Hitler. Um, and now you're like kissing his ass. And I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> Didn't even say kissing his ass. He said repeatedly. And now you're Donald Trump's bitch. <laughs> did he actually this say that? Like, was that this is, not in that clip, did he? He said that oh, I, I, I'm, in, okay, in multiple yeah. in multiple formulations in the in the longer uh, clip. Yeah, you're Donald Good Trump's God. bitch. Man, our uh, American politics is in a. Really I'm glad you're like right d- denouncing somebody for like you know g- getting close to somebody like Donald Trump and then using the tactics of Donald Trump by calling somebody a bitch on stage. This is this is modern Look, politics. Look, if you're gonna win in Ohio, yeah. how how you think yeah, that's gonna yeah. happen? Yeah, it's yeah. not gonna I don't be. Know. All genteel. I I think that the most interesting thing, both in the um, New York Times Siena poll that came out earlier this week, and then a couple of days before, there's a Harvard Harris poll, and they both, regardless of them showing that the pendulum swing back a little bit more towards where it was supposed to go all along, which is towards Republicans, because it's the first midterms mm-hmm. of an unpopular president. This is the way it always goes, with basically you know one exception. Clinton, right? um, 
Uh, uh, no, uh, actually, in uh, Clinton got rounded in '94. Clinton got in '98. That was the second his second term during impeachment. There came yeah. back to him, but it's usually your first yeah. midterm is the wipeout. The exception to the rules, George W. Bush, because it was America, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah time, yeah, yeah. Um, and so re- Republicans gained rather than it was than the principal lost, but, the principal um, issue in that election like the the americans irritation with the impeachment proceedings oh in 98 in yeah, 98 yeah, or, but no just, yeah yeah gingrich um, stuff in 94 was was you know that was the yeah. most predictable thing yeah in the that's that's how gingrich won um but um uh it's more that the issues that voters uh care about are repeatedly overwhelmingly the priorities that they express are Inflation, immigration, mm-hmm. economy. Could, yeah. I don't know what the one, two, mm-hmm. three exactly is it, but it's yeah. more or less that. Um, and then, and then, number one uh, issue that they hear from um, in media and among Democrats and and <laughs> others is abortion, uh, January sixth, and whatever the rule of white three supremacy. Is. Uh, I forget what it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, it could be. I don't know. I don't think exactly that. Uh, but there's just this disconnect, and I think it's actually more interesting than simply laughing at the media and Democrats, which they deserve mm-hmm. to be laughed at very hard in this case, um, which is, you know, my, I, we've said this a, a bunch of times in this podcast, if you're going to just sort of flip on CNN or MSNBC for a half a second, you will hear the words January 6th within mm-hmm. within 30 mm-hmm. seconds. There's no even, way that you even won't. Now, even now, no even, even after their begin, the beginnings of their pivot back to the center, to a more moderate, kinder, gentler CNN. So if you look at the if you look at this poll and you know Matt's obviously right, the top two issues which you know puts in puts it in probably at about 45 percent or something which is the combination of economy and inflation nothing beneath that cra- cracks ten percent nothing but if you look at the things that you you see in certain um, kind of the confines of certain kind of areas of, of Twitter of blue check Twitter you would see now there's some Republican things in here like like immigration and crime which are actually quite low. But if you look overall, you see things, abortion is 4%. Uh, that's pretty astonishing. Um, Russia, actually 2%. In, in Astonishing in one sense, we knew the Putin price hike thing isn't, isn't working, right? Guns, 2%. Yeah. Climate change, 3%. You know what it's even register? Less than 1%? Coronavirus. And the state of democracy is yeah. 7%. But the interesting thing about the state of democracy thing is when you see that broken down by party... You do notice that there's Republicans in there too, and they have a different. When you say state of democracy, it's not January sixth, it's not you know um, election. It's also people thinking the election was stolen. Right. It's also people who believe you know that you know that uh, early voting is is a threat to democracy, and that various other things are threats to democracy. But you your eye keys in on that and you say, well, seven percent, Democrats are doing well there. It's like actually, if you break it down, it's probably about four percent uh, for for Democrats and for the idea of January 6th, for all these theatrics, for getting television producers to come in and do the slick thing, for getting one night of good ratings, and then it kind of fizzling. I mean, really no one's paying attention to that, the fact that, you know, it hasn't really done very much, you know, and that, you know, the the Durham stuff is fizzling in its its way too, as we saw um, today. Uh, but, you know, look, at the, at the end of the day, it's like people don't give a shit about that stuff. They don't give a shit about the the performative Andrea Mitchell stuff and you know Morning Joe and everyone saying you know oh my God it's it's how do we even live in this horrible dictatorship and like fucking <clears throat> Tim Snyder forgetting that he's a professor 
and you know going on his like i'm a tv boy now and like just fucking sitting on television making an ass of himself constantly because ooh, isn't this fun donald trump like how much money do you think tim snyder has made from donald trump an obscure professor from yale hmm. who his three books three books thin little books that all became bestsellers about donald trump three has and it been three wow on tyranny was one there was a fault for that and then there was another one about him being sick or something and it's like it's about huh. trump of course too and he wrote it from hospital maybe he had coronavirus or something and i just know that i remember i picked it up in the bookstore and it said something like um one of the um chapter headlines was uh um was it healthcare is a human right and it was like that. It was like, wait, are you a specialist in Ukraine? Like, what is? Like, why are you talking about this? It's like, oh, the Trump trilogy. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh man. It's honestly like you're a guy who is a nerd who just started like a has a startup that made all this money and all these hot girls are hanging around with you. All of a sudden, you're like, oh my god. It's like people are paying attention to me. It's like go back to what you did before. But this is all said. This is all said. I with saw a... You should still read Bloodlands. This is really interesting. So, I, I, can, yeah. I, can I say something I said to you guys the other day? Uh -oh. Did I say this to you? Maybe. Did I not say uh, this to you? Just in your I head, don't know, maybe. Yeah. So in the process of looking... Camille, <laughs> Sorry, this is... Yeah, no, I actually didn't say this. Okay. Can I, can I say something about Tim Snyder? I've said for a long time Tim Snyder is a, uh -oh. is a, a great historian who's been, has been hijacked by you know, the politics of the time and it's been taken over his brain. I was reading one of his books the other day for a purpose, but... Um, this book um, called Black Earth about the Holocaust and everything. And there's a bit in it that I was totally stunned to come across. And it was because I'm doing something on the Ken Burns thing. It uh, he talks about, you know, Hitler referencing the Mississippi. I just think this is really interesting that uh, he, he, Snyder says it was also the line, the Mississippi beyond which Thomas Jefferson wanted all Indians expelled. And this is the quote that I thought was totally crazy. So when you see him on MSNBC, and you listen to past episodes where I say, great historian, totally captured by, by um, bad politics. Um, the next line is, who, asked Hitler, remembers the Red Indians? That's oh. not a real quote. Oh, really? Yeah, well, first of all, it's Armenians. I mean, that's the actual quote. But the source... But that's also not a real it's quote. It's very, very questionable. So there's a lot of people that have some, yeah. some issues. It's third hand, whatever. But he, this is like one of the, the foremost historians of the Holocaust literally saying, well, you know, he said this about who remembers the red Indians. It's like, that's not a real quote. I mean, you should know that. And it doesn't pass the smell test for anyone, right? I mean, that's, I thought it was very, very strange when I read that. And it threw everything into doubt. I was like, wait, what? Huh. Seriously? You got that huh. wrong? We need That's, we need sound so effects go on this and, podcast so I can uh, have like gunshots go off when you do shit like that. Because <laughs> I don't, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but go ahead. As someone who is has marinated deeper than anyone ever should in uh, Armenian genocide sort yeah. of politics and studies over the years, um, I think the the you know it could be the opening quote in in uh, Samantha Power's uh, reputation making book. Uh, whose yeah. name I now conveniently forget, but uh, um, uh, it's it's from Hitler, who now remembers it's the exact same formulation. Who now remembers the slaughter of Armenians. the uh, Armenians uh, 
at Turkey by in the hands of Turkey. And um and I probably used it the first time I, I wrote something about stuff because it like it's powerful. It grips you immediately. I didn't think about how perfect it was to fit whatever I was arguing at the time. And yeah, you look around and you're like, okay, so let's go get to the source of that one. Um, uh, good luck. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it, it, exist. it comes from um, Lewis, Lochner, as far as I can tell, um, who is a journalist, and I pulled this book actually the other day um, from the greatest resource in the internet that nobody knows exists, which is Open Library, and there are like every book from obscure book that you want to reference that somebody references and is bullshitting on the source, you can usually find it and check it out on Open Library. It's just like a scanned copy, and I found the Lochner book in it, and it's it's like we have no way of knowing if it's true. It's a third-hand, second-hand, then third-hand recitation of a quote. Um, could be true, but most most people would not use it because the provenance is... It's like there's a book called Hitler's Table Talk, which is often used by historians, but it's really... The, the provenance of it is, is uh, shall we say, dis disputed. And uh, some stuff that we found out later, you know, the quote-unquote Hitler's second book, which, you know, a lot of the stuff that turns out to be bullshit. But I couldn't believe that I saw that in the Snyder book. And I was like, man, that I, I really held him in pretty high esteem. I just, one page, and I was like, man, that doesn't, that's not even the most basic smell test because you get the wrong quote wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, <laughs> you're kind of making it conform to what you want it to be. And I just want to say, <laughs> I'll say this now, I'm going to have something soon on um, a couple of things. One on Rachel Maddow's uh, new podcast, which is number one in America, number one on Spotify, was number one on iTunes. And she has three episodes out. There's more coming that I am going to be doing a podcast myself about, which I have major problems with hers. And also I wanted to do something on the Ken Burns thing because I found something in the Ken Burns thing. Just watching it yesterday in my COVID stupor um, in the first episode that I find quite shocking. Um, and it's not a fact um, that they offer. It is uh, something that is wrong. And I'm I'm blown away by it. Um, so Moynihan, actually, I mean, I just want to yeah. I want to confirm this now. Yeah, you feel comfortable enough saying now before yeah. you know you, some more episodes to go. I know you're just beginning sure. this project. Saying this is a shot the shot across the bow. Yeah, you're gonna come from Maddow. There's some things that you need to get sorted. The Maddow one for sure. Yeah, I mean, I just okay. I find the whole process. I find it just bizarre. And the premise of it is is like you know it's. It's an MSNBC segment masquerading as history, basically, because it's the idea is we're going to go back and find the January 6th of the past. This is not new. They're, you know, um, you know, what was it that history doesn't rhyme at echoes or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We are going to find this <laughs> in in the recent past. And you don't even know about these stories because because they've been kind of undercovered and not really paid attention to. But their fascism um, amongst the American right has been like in this incipient fascism stage for a long time, and we've seen this before. And so it's starting from the premise now of, and then working backwards and saying, what is the, do we have a January 6th type moment in the past? And um, there are certain moments that, um, I'll just say that I disagree with the interpretation of a lot of this stuff. Okay. Um, and I think that, I, I just don't think that the use of history in this way, whether it's, you know, Glenn Beck or whether it's a Rachel Maddow. I just, I don't like it because um, it, 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 it necessitates leaving things on the, on the floor because you need to, to, to take those sharp edges and you need to file them down, make to make them nice and smooth for your story because your story has to be a little contained 30 minute uh, podcast. 
And as I said in, on the, um, where I gave some of the examples on the paid one, I gave a little preview of it um, on, on Substack, is that she's a good storyteller. I, I will never say that she isn't. She's, she's very good at her job, and I, I respect her quite a bit. I don't respect what, what she's doing with this history, though. Because I don't, I don't think from what I've read, and I mean what I've read, what I have uh, listened to, and it's an area that I, I'm, I'm very familiar with. Um, I, I, I find it dishonest. I find it very dishonest, and I just, you know, I don't like all this stuff. I don't like this, you know. She's, she's on Chris Hayes' show. She's on Ezra Klein's podcast, and it's like, you know, here's the forgotten history of um, January sixth, and this has been something that America's had to contend with for a very long time. And as I said on the podcast the other day, I'll just say this one more time and we can move on, is that there was, in fact, a foreign power that had agents in America, as she says, um, that infiltrated the government, uh, that had weapons that were ready to make a revolution and had wide support. She's correct about that. But she has the wrong country. It's the Soviet Union. Uh, that was not Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany, of course, tried that and they didn't succeed, and they didn't come even close to what the Soviets achieved. And I find that pretty interesting. For somebody who's obsessed with Russia now, should probably be obsessed with Russia then. And it would be a more interesting and more accurate podcast. To yank it back to the sorry. midterms a little bit, uh, but, but also continuing the discussion in the same vein, um, I've been predicting for a while, and I think now with the recent poll numbers, you're going to see a stampede in this direction now that we have, what, like three weeks left um, before the midterms. There has been a, since January of this year, a establishmentarian um, slow building freakout about the national import of what it, what our democracy with a capital O and D, uh, what it's going to be like after Republicans do better than they ought to in November um, from their point of view, and <laughs> largely mine, but it dep depends on the individual case. Um, and uh, that's going to, the panic is going to come straight off. There was a, you mentioned Chris Hayes just tonight, this is Wednesday, um, he had a tweet to the effect of, because uh, today or yesterday, uh, uh, Biden released some uh, 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 oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Um, you know, because we're obviously in an emergency. Uh, <laughs> the emergency is Democrats are going to lose yeah. the midterms. Um, <laughs> but uh, and Chris said something to the effect of, um, you know, it's going to be kind of ironic that, you know, releasing some oil into the reserve is what needs to be done in order to preserve our democracy, um, because <laughs> it will have Democrats win more in November, which will help because they're running against a bunch of election deniers and Jan six, whatever. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's the approach towards that as much as anything else, which is implicit in it is that those who are, are worried about the economy and don't like the direction of the country, which is a number that grows by the minute. I mean, literally the, the poll changes over, over the last month or two on just like, Hey, how do you think America's doing? It's been nosediving pretty badly. Um, and the economy and inflation are like it, it, you know, it's the story, um, this sort of hand wave that, oh, okay, I guess we have to do some sop in the direction of this um, in order to, you know, uh, forestall uh, the incipient uh, fascism. There's, it's, there's something like perfectly encapsulated in that uh, 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 approach towards it. And, uh, and 
like it's unsurprising to watch. Another... But in the next th- in the next three weeks, just watch this, study yeah. that particular tick because it's going to increase as the panic gets closer. Can to you think D-Day. of another um, country in the West and wherever? I think it would be in the West where this crowd that is constantly warning us that democracy is teetering on the edge and that we are, you know, trundling towards fascism. Is there another country that has a political situation where they wouldn't say that? That is like, you know, I mean, you look, for instance, what I mean by this is Sweden. Sweden loved by Chris Hayes and so many people on the left for years, obviously. And the social system that they've praised still exists. Didn't like the COVID policy so much, but also um, after many, many years of ignoring voters, uh, the far-right party is now in a coalition with the traditional conservative party, which hilariously in Sweden is obviously called the moderates. That's the conservative party. And they are, you know, a party that has its roots in the neo-Nazi movement. It's moved beyond that. It's not the same thing anymore, but pretty, pretty impressive, right? I mean, that's what's going on in Sweden. You know, Giorgio Maloney just becomes the prime minister of Italy, somebody who's praised Mussolini in the past. What do you think, are Italians responding in the way, are there Italian Chris Hayes's? Well, probably, I assume, because it's just the game of politics in a way, but are they ones that are taking it seriously? Well, no, because their governments collapse every five minutes and, you know, they've had communists in government and they've had, you know, Nazi bombing campaigns. I think it was the Bologna... uh, uh, train station in the 70s where lots of many, many people were killed by a far right uh, bomb attack, uh, far left, Brigada Rosa, kidnapped and murdered the prime minister. The prime minister of Italy, Aldo Moro, was, was murdered by left-wing student terrorists, student-ish, and left in the trunk of a car where he was found in pictures. I mean, this is in the, like, this is crazy. Imagine... We have something like that, that. The prime minister, the president is murdered and then a neo-Nazi gang blows up a train station. Like, imagine that happening in America, right? I mean, you could say quite reasonably, well, you'd have a, a good case to say democracy is under threat because look at Italy. It's like, it's not, Italy's problem is not democracy. It's just a basket case in a million ways. But other countries have had so much worse and have it so much worse that we tend to think that it's all over because a bunch of slack-jawed yokel yahoos on January 6th, you know, I mean, the thing in the Matto podcast, it's like they all had heavy weapons and, you know, the machine guns and they were heavily armed. And it's like, you know, we had this conversation on this podcast about January 6th of like, wait, who is armed there? And it's like, well, and then people, some people wrote in. They said, well, there was a guy that was arrested. Or there was one guy with something in his car. It's like, motherfuckers, if you're trying to have a revolution, you bring the fucking guns. You don't leave them in the car. Come yeah. on. Let's be honest about this. Is that Was it all bad? Yes. I don't have to go over why I think this is bad and a disgraceful day in American history. I don't think that any like right-thinking person doesn't agree with that. But let's fucking chill out. And when you make it this thing for the midterms, and you're sitting there, like, you know how many strategy sessions the Democrats had and said, we got to just just hammer the democracy thing. People are going to love that. Like whoever that person is should never work in politics again. Like who the fuck thinks that? Like, honestly, we're going to hang around, you know, they're, I mean, by the Biden administration and people associated with Biden, close to Biden have been hammering on this democracy thing. And the hilarious assumption that people give a shit about this. They think that it's true. They think that their way of life is under threat. No, they think their way of life is under threat because they can't afford anything. 
Not because of dummies and but here's and the, the Capitol Hill. The, but is there not like shouldn't people give a shit that you know half of the Republicans running for office uh, three weeks from now and that's a made up number, but you know a third to a half or mm-hmm. something. It's I mean people have been like hyper like trying to to measure this yeah. number. Um, are people who deny that Joe Biden is the rightful uh, uh, in winner some way, election. shape, or form? That sucks. Yeah. Just like that sucks that there's 160 some odd uh, members of Congress who did not vote to certify the election. When I mean that's that is an important story. It is sure. an important ba- background fact of the modern Republican Party, uh, uh, for whom Donald Trump, after everything that he has said every day, including I'm sure today, um, is still by far and away the most popular. Uh, 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 member, all that stuff. Is that not actually important, regardless of whether it's a good idea to base your, you know, November 2022 uh, political campaign I mean, around that? Can, can it just can we say yes? And is there any way to do that without some asshole like tweeting at me in the next couple of hours after this drops about how I'm I'm using whataboutism? But is there any way to acknowledge the fact that Stacey Abrams is running for governor for the second time in the state of Georgia, is about to lose her election there, which is interesting because she's Warnock still manages to be ahead in the polls. She has been consistently behind in the polls. Um, and she's a woman who has been a yeah. serial election denier, um, right? Since we use that ridiculous phrase now. And Hillary Clinton was sort of similarly skeptical of the election. And even after conceding, um, that she lost her race, continued to insist that her opponent only run because of Russian hacking um, of the election. Like, can we, is it okay she told him, to she acknowledge- told Biden not to concede before the election. She did, yes. She I mean, did. that's bizarre. People will offer all manner of qualifications and say Republicans are far worse. I don't actually disagree that Republicans are <laughs> far worse on this. Yeah, my, pers- either, but... my perspective is actually that I don't know how much Democrats sincerely care about this when one of their most prominent- um, uh, uh, figureheads, Stacey Abrams, St. Stacey Abrams, um, who has saved the Republic by getting people to vote in Georgia, is running for office without any sort of open criticism from the Democrats who love democracy and want to preserve and save it. And in general, I mean, they've been willing to go so far as to ensure that MAGA Republican, dangerous, ultra-conservative, MAGA Republican, extremist fascists are the actual candidates um, that are, are getting the nomination by support by supporting them with their money and some in, might win. Yeah. in elections. And these people might, in fact, win. Now, one could say this is a, a political calculation and this is how the game is played. Why are you playing fucking games if this is about saving democracy and the only possible hope you have is having allies in office who don't who aren't actually proto fascists? How could any serious person take that sort of risk? How could any serious person condone that sort of hypocrisy? And while I care about this, I mean, I get that the January 6th commission is not genuinely bipartisan and that a great deal of what they're doing in addition to asking substantive questions is like political performance. And at this point, political performance that may actually be expensive to the Democrats um, because I don't know if it's actually going to be beneficial to them once they formally subpoena Trump and there is some performance that they may actually come out on the short end of. Look, I think that, that was a very long, a very long yeah, question. No, but I think it's right. But Look, there's I, a real I, question I, in no, there because sure. I, I don't know yeah. if it's possible to, to actually add this 
complexity and nuance and say, of course I hate those people and they're scoundrels. Yeah. yeah. But these other people are also hypocrites. So while it's important to talk about, I don't think they're the appropriate people to lead the conversation. There, there's to Matt's point. I do think that you're not wrong. I think it is absolutely concerning, and I think that you know we've all discussed this many times on the show. It's a matter of how much emphasis you give it, um, right? Because sure. I don't think that people who are giving it a lot of emphasis are people that are really truly. I, some of them are, but they're they're you know paranoid schizophrenics that say that I stay up at night thinking that the democracy democracy is going to collapse on the day <laughs> after the midterms. I mean, if you steal elections, by the way, you steal them you know, whether it's midterms or if it's general. So imagine that in uh, uh, November 8th, I guess, there, there will be uh, fraud and theft, and we'll see it, right? Because mm -hmm. because Republicans have been activating this plan for a while. So why wouldn't they do it to take control of the House and the Senate? So it, it, that's the first thing. The, sec the second thing about this is that, you know, there are 160-odd people who didn't vote to certify, um, and there are about 140 of whom who don't believe it is that good is that no it, it's terrible it's awful in this party as it's terrible you can find endless rants of me saying this is a party who believes in nothing these are people people who believe in nothing but their own power i don't believe that they they will go so far as to you know disassemble democracy um, you know, even try to do so in the short term, which is much more difficult than people think it is. That you know, <laughs> this vote would just, you know, if if it went a certain way, then would all be like, no. I mean, if you really truly are worried about the end of democracy, then you're making plans with the military. You're making plans with your own side of what do we do here. The fact that a bunch of shitheads are trying to run for you know local races to be control of ballot boxes it's all too sophisticated for these idiots to do anything to to make it a problem i also don't think americans like this in general you have to have you have to have a lot of americans that actually care about this stuff and you see, it, i don't think americans take this seriously in the way that i don't think it's the most serious threat to democracy i don't think that democracy is going to end because a bunch of people wanted to get donald trump's attention and they were afraid that if they didn't go, you know, if they didn't vote with Donald Trump on this, then he would destroy their careers. That's not a good place to be. But it's not somebody who is ideologically sort of, you know, engaging with let's overthrow American democracy and replace it with some sort of, um, you know, natcon dictatorship. These are just people who are opportunists. And that is going to be the same thing for anybody ever. Like it's also, by the way, some form of, quote unquote, election denying when I hear constantly is that the that voters are being disenfranchised everywhere. Mm -hmm. I, if that's true, mm -hmm. then these elections are not really valid, are they? I mean, if people are, if, if these things are hanging on by a thread, if the vote is 50-50 on so many, uh, in, so, in so many kind of races and in, you know, national uh, politics too, I mean, there are people who think that the electoral college is a fraud and that we're living in a fraud because of the way these elections are decided. But also, if so many people are being disenfranchised, then are these elections worth anything, right? I mean, if it's, it's legally mandated, it might not be, it might not be um, people doing it in a subterranean way, but there's a legal superstructure that allows people to cheat in elections. The fact that people talk about cheating in elections is something is as old as the Republic. I can't imagine you'd find maybe 72, maybe 1980, when just blowout elections, maybe Bill Clinton in, in 92. But every election that's even close, there is conversation 
about it being illegitimate. I mean, does anyone ever have a conversation about the 1960 election and not talk about Pennsylvania and Chicago, Illinois, that um, the election was stolen from Nixon? Is that true? Most people have no idea, but they know that that's a narrative. People talk mm -hmm. about it. And that's not because people have been doing deep dives on whether democracy was under threat in 1960, because that's a lot, that's a threat, right? Democracy is under threat if the, the election was stolen from a president. And most people believe that that actually happened. I mean, we have this been going on for so long, and now a bunch of yahoos say, I want to, you know, make sure that the president's not mad at me. I'm just, you know, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't worry me. It worries me in the sense that these people are like this. But there's nothing surprising about that to me because they're idiot fucking Republicans. Camille has the right um, formulation. Not that that's a surprise to anybody, but of like, if you really were uh, think that democracy is in peril, um, wouldn't you act like it or, or just an exhortation to act like it? Um, there was uh, someone, I think Jay Caruso, but I'm hopefully not getting that wrong, a conservative journalist commentator who wrote uh, today on Twitter something to the effect of like, I will believe one of these many, you know, pro-democracy hectorers out there, if they, especially if they're a Democrat or on the left, if they unambig unambiguously say that is why I'm supporting Brian Kemp over Stacey Abrams, it won't happen. It won't happen. It mm -hmm. won't happen. Stacey Abrams doesn't hold the same sway over the, her party as Donald Trump does, of course. For somebody who loses However, all the time, she what does have a lot of power. <laughs> for, I mean, she has more power than Beto O'Rourke, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> who also loses all the time uh, and raises all the money. Well, that's because um, of white supremacy. Uh, who will be the, the most just yeah. want to put that <laughs> the most prominent Democrat to say, you know what? You made you're wrong to not concede the election serially and to say that it was stolen serially. It's not just like once, you know, um, you can you can draw yourself a picture of Hillary Clinton where she conceded at first and then she sort of like bitched about it afterwards, kind of sour grapesy. But no, Stacey Abrams like actually didn't concede and like called it the this is the non-conceding day, as I call it, as opposed to the day that she lost, you know, um, all of these things. If democracy meant that much to you, I just uh, this week, uh, Reason posted my book review of Margaret Sullivan, the press critic of first the Wash first the oh, New York Times and then Washington Post. Um, and uh, uh, and I didn't mention this in the review, but in January, when the first sort of. Uh, um, kind of series of these kind of pro-democracy, like agitating for every newspaper to have a democracy mm -hmm. desk kind of columns, think pieces came out. Um, she was talking about, you know, what is to be done? And one of them was that we need to highlight more heroes, like pro-democracy heroes, like Stacey Abrams. That's <laughs> the way that we're going to do better journalism. She, Not even the book, in a column in January <laughs> of this year, which I wrote about the time. And it's like, wait, this, it's wait, true. Hold, it's true. Your 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 complaint <laughs> your complaint is that Republicans are bending the truth and that their consumers don't even want the truth and that democracy is in peril. This could be the last free election of our life and only truth is going to save us. And that's why Stacey Abrams is a hero that we can uh, highlight. Um, I mean, Matt, you sound like someone no, who as, doesn't as I actually care it. about democracy because you don't don't you understand? I was watching uh, or saw anyways a clip from MSNBC was and Adnan. A long name that I'm not going to try to pronounce because I don't even yeah. care. Dragon yeah. Ball Z hair um, sure, was yeah. explaining that there are two sides in this upcoming election, that there is a pro-democracy side and an anti-democracy side. 
Um, and that yeah. in order to, to ensure that we win, you have to be brave enough to confront your QAnon climate change denying relatives and tell them not to destroy America because everyone has a whole bunch of those. my side does not my side does not spend two score million dollars uh, uh, promoting Republican election denier uh, troglodytes. That's you my know, side. you know what? Interpret you know that what as makes you want. All of this so difficult to believe. Um, it is a little thing called the boy cry wolf, right? If you have this guy on MSNBC, you know, with his uh, ridiculous hair, which is, you know, the guy from Kid and Play, who's, you know, saying uh, it's democracy. A new book out. And, we should we should and, see if he'll come on to to talk to us about the persuaders I, and help we, us understand we, why we're wrong. Do we have time to talk to fucking idiots? No, um, I don't think we do. But the, I mean, the guy's just like, I, I have, I, I could do a whole show on, on that guy. I work um, with olive but, branches here, Moynihan. Yeah, I don't. It's, I my, it's the brand. The brand. When, when somebody says, Those like, you know, clubs, democracy versus yes. the people who hate democracy, uh, when Tim Snyder is on TV saying fascism on fascism, strong men, fascism, fascism, Mussolini, Hitler. <laughs> the only thing that I have to say to that, <laughs> you know, and that's, of course, in Ken Burns's thing, too. So it's coughing up a yeah, lung. I mean, the China virus, man. Um, the, the, the thing that's in Ken Burns's documentary, too, is, you know, all of this is all redolent of Nazism. No, it isn't. It is not redolent of Nazism. Seriously, go fuck yourself. Like, honestly, there are things that Donald Trump do does that is that are Mussolini-like, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There are things that Donald Trump does that are Stalin-like. There are things that Donald Trump does that are Fidel Castro-like. You know, long, meandering speeches, lots of jokes in them. He must be a communist. Mm -hmm. You know what we, when we say the end of democracy, oh my God, you see what happened on January 6th. I just want you to do this. And if you can't do it, come to the, um, to the Substack and I will talk about it in more detail there. I want you to do the numbers from 1928 to January 1st, 1933. Because that's what everyone's talking about. Everyone's talking about Nazism and fascism. It's where, look at the deaths on the streets of mm -hmm. mostly Berlin between the KPD and the Nazis, the Communist Party and the Nazis. The street battles that the Strassenkämpfer who were fighting on the streets. There were like, do you know how many deaths? There, were, there was one day, and I think it was in February 1920, there was like 19 people killed in one day. In one day. Like, this stuff was so common that people were shot, murdered, beaten to death, kidnapped, tortured. And this is when there was a democracy. This is when they were trying to dismantle the democracy. Because that's what you do in the lead up to the dismantling of a democracy. You know, the, oh, well, no, it's Mussolini. This is this woman, Ruth Ben, whatever, who's always on MSNBC. It's just like Mussolini. You know, March on Rome happens in 1922. People start getting pushed out of windows pretty quickly. Political mm. opponents, things like that. Press starts getting shut down, et cetera. It's a little different than saying fake news. These guys back there, fake news. It's like, <laughs> oh, here he goes again. Here he goes. Call us the enemy of the people. It's like, you know what? Call us whatever the fuck you want. But when you start arresting us and making us flee the country, like happens in Russia right now, like it happened in every fascist country within minutes of, of people taking over, like these aren't even echoes. This is political language designed to scare the shit out of people. You can say that all this stuff is bad. You can say that the Trump administration was bad. You can say that there are bad people involved with it, and I would agree with you. I wish the party was not taken over by a fucking rat bag like Donald Trump. This is not something that I would dispute. But I am a little tired, as I think a lot of people are, which is why you see on this 
you know, uh, these crosstabs here of who thinks what is important in the next in the next election, why the democracy thing is so low on the list. And as I said, when you break that down, the incipient fascism stuff is tiny, right? Why do people not believe this? Because people in fascist countries sought in every village, in every town. There's a fantastic study that came out probably about 1965 or 66 that looked at one village in Germany and what happened when Nazis took over. It's a, it's a phenomenal book. It's just a, the guy went there, American guy, and went through the archives, changed the name of the town. The new edition of the book actually has the actual name of the town. And you see how a tiny town, it's close-knit, tight-knit, is overwhelmed when democracy collapses and when people say, take those opportunities, because people are opportunists, right? They will vote against certifying the election because they think it's going to get them something. Not because they believe it, because they think it's going to get them something. That's also dangerous and bad. But if there are any echoes, the stuff that I've been reading about for my whole adult life, of looking at these small towns and these cities in what happened when democracy was in peril and when democracy collapsed, if I saw any of that in this country, I would be very, very concerned. I just don't see it. I just don't see these types of things happening. We have a robust debate about all this stuff all the time. And if it's ever being shut down, it's not being shut down in the direction of people who are scared of Donald Trump. Probably in the opposite direction, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will say... Uh, I've been a bit of that do lately. A, a little bit, a little bit I'm more... I'm not worried about that either, but there's been a bit of it. Well, a little bit more both sidesing for me because why not? I'm on a roll, but in the other direction. I, I very recently, and not for the first time, this is hardly unique because um, we, we all often traverse some very conservative and occasionally some, not occasionally, I'd say probably equal, um, very conservative and very liberal circles. And I was recently walked into a room and overheard a discussion in which people were discussing the like AOC to Nazi pipeline and talking about sure. the, the corrupting power <laughs> of like wokeness and how wokeness is actually Nazi, Stalinist, fascism that will destroy America. And, and I hear it, I hear it constantly from a certain kind of conservative. And there's actually a great many of them. In fact, the same sort of conservative will often say, I mean, you naive libertarian idiot, like you believe in things like, you know, classical liberalism and free speech and imagine that this will save the country and you don't understand the depth of the the enemy yeah. and the seriousness of the problem that we face. We have to do something. We have to use or government means to achieve conservative ends. And of course, they never bother to define what the hell conservative ends are. <laughs> it's this amorphous anything possibly. Um, yeah. Those people are wrong too. Um, that's that, openly that sort of yeah. That sort of hysterical rhetoric is is wrong too. It's utter nonsense, yeah. and it completely overstates um, a, a genuine problem. I have severe problems with the cultural toxins um, that are being pushed by a lot of mainstream progressives. I think it's a, a severe problem when the vice president of the United States shows up or talks about disaster relief and suggests, even suggests that we would prioritize people on the basis of their race or their economic status um, in terms of, you know, providing aid and support to them to the extent the federal government is doing that kind of stuff at all. Um, shout out uh, anarcho-capitalist weirdos like me. Um, like, I'm, I'm concerned about these things, but I'm not you a hysteric. yourself. <laughs> I yep. did. I did. It's just, I'm not going to apologize for that. I deserve it. I deserve right. more shout outs. I deserve more applause from you guys. Like, there should be a second I'll give you, I'll where give you, you some just applause praise me. That. 
just can, praise can me. Can I just can I say one final thing on this? Is, is it about I how great say, I am? Yes, good. How great okay. you are. It's good. at the end, so just hold on one second. Um, <laughs> I've I've probably been guilty of this too, mentioning saying fascist, Maoist, whatever. But that's the one thing that people on the kind of anti woke universe have to do the same thing. Exactly, exactly what I just said it is it applies there too. When you say something is a Maoist struggle section, this session, this is Stalinist <laughs> in a way. This is very Mao. People say this all the time. Yeah. It's becoming a Maoist movement. It's like, well, no, it's not actually becoming a Maoist movement. Mao killed more people than Stalin by quite a wide margin. Give them time, one hand. Give them time. A bloodthirsty murder. <laughs> it's like, does it, do they borrow some stuff from it? Do they have a little bit of that in them? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can get with the struggle session. I can get with the idea that there's one truth and, you know, it's cult-like behavior and maybe sometimes it's even Maoist. But everybody is guilty of this. Stop saying the worst political ideologies of the 20th century is what your opponent is doing because it's absolutely not because you're talking about it. And if, and if they were doing it, you wouldn't be talking about it. Like, you would be, but maybe from a different country. Don't, you can't be in the same country I would and commend, talk about because it, it's not true. I would commend people who are interested in these debates, particularly what uh, Camille was just talking about, and that perspective to read a piece from this week by Tyler Cowen, a great economist over at Marginal Revolution, he's a George Mason, um, in which he very, very long kind of attempt from the perspective of someone who has, for most of his career, been uh, a classical liberal or self-conception of that, and he's trying to figure out the national conservatives, hmm. uh, the sort of the Tealites here, the, the, the new reactionaries here, the J.D. Vance's here, the whatever, like try to like the Sorabs, um, like, defines them as one. And it's a very useful um, thing to read, even as you are gritting your teeth and getting really mad at Tyler Cowen, which is easy for me to do um, in a in a respectful way. Um, uh, partly because he, he posits that um, there's a there's a sentence in there that I suspect that the classical liberals and the the national conservatives um, have uh, far more in common in terms of their um, their beliefs and their sense of ends than either side care to admit. Hmm. And like I it's it's know. not uh, they keep telling me that's not true i don't know that's true that's not true they keep telling me that <laughs> i don't i keep they're I telling keep us that i thought constantly. we agreed they're on like, the things and they're like nah son yeah <laughs> when, when, when they're starting with the enlightenment was a mistake yes. um i'm not seeing a whole lot of like common ground yeah here as lou reed saying uh, but, but you it's don't still, like critical race theory thing well to, no i i don't but i also don't, i think you should be able to like buy the book <laughs> maybe maybe get it at the public library and yes i'm not terrified if someone mentions it in a classroom like that doesn't that doesn't outrage me privilege walks i think that's super fucked up and bad it may even be a violation of the law so you should sue the shit out of a school that does that i actually don't think that's a bad thing to say um but i don't think that we should be passing laws targeting targeting concepts that are particularly bad like i don't i don't think that that's the way that that works it's a useful delineation. Yeah. Yeah. Go check it and, out. And it's also, I mean, I, I think a conversation that I keep having um, over the course of the last couple of weeks is that it's often very difficult to know where the line is um, between what's acceptable and what's not. Um, and I won't go into it further because you'll probably hear more about that at some point. Um, Matt, the thing you mentioned, you said that was that marginal revolution. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to find that. Classical liberalism versus the new right. Worth worth reading. Tyler Cowen, all the ways. Yes. Um. 
I don't know how much time we have, but I, we would be remiss if we did not talk about this new uh, Gallup poll from earlier this week, um, which tells us the same thing that all of these polls um, uh, have been telling us for a number of years now, that trust in media is <laughs> is in the shitter um, and has been plummeting and has been kind of consistently <laughs> kind down. Kind of bipartisan too, wasn't it? Um, kind of bipartisan, but there is some interesting, um, interesting details that are worth getting into here. Um, the, the top lines on this study, let me open it up cause I don't have it in front of me anymore. Um, but the top lines on this study were that, uh, 34% have a great deal or fair amount of confidence in the media. It's not, not very high. 38% wow. have no trust. Um, at all in media now that that outpaces the great deal or fair amount of trust in media for the very first time in this poll. This is not the what lowest it's been no, 38 percent with oh, no trust at all, <laughs> um, which outpaces wow. uh, a great deal or fair. And this is the this is actually the, the thing that's worth paying some attention to the weird kind of partisan discrepancy. Um, at this point, it's around 70 percent of Democrats who insist that they have a great deal or a fair amount of trust and confidence in the mass media's ability to report the news fully, accurately, and fairly. Republicans and independents, Republicans are at 14%, independents are at 27%. And I should also say that the 70% that Democrats are at is close to the um, to the high in this poll dating back to the 1970s. It was it was very low. That's before, super interesting. But it's super, super high now, and this has been yeah. the case for the last couple of years. That it's been this enormous delta between the 70 and the 14 percent. And it's interesting. Someone um, someone tweeted at me earlier because I just shared the poll the graphs, um, and they said the reason for the plummeting mistrust is because alternative media has been pushing this narrative that uh, the mainstream media simply can't be trusted. And that is what's driving the division. Um, to which Wait, I ask, this is just somebody. This is someone oh, on Twitter. And I, I respond, yeah. like, since, 19, since the 1970s? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this, Look at this chart. You know, it's Republicans that are down in the 14%. They don't trust and lib they believe liberals are bad and blah, blah, blah. But it's that 70% that actually changes things. And and I responded to him that there's this kind of sycophant, cynic um, dynamic that has to that you have to pay attention to. And yeah. and when the, the Democrats um, trust in media like jumps to 70 at the same time, the conservative trust in media drops to 14. That is abnormal. That is a weird kind of degree of devotion it's and crazy. commitment yeah. to the reporting. And it, it's especially weird, I think, given the number of major missteps and errors that have been made um, over the course of the last couple of years. But it does suggest explicitly that what's happening here is I like this. I like this reporting because it completely confirms my beliefs as opposed to actually the media is uh, really phenomenal and they're doing a great job but only the people on the left can see the truth. Do, do you see how that person who responded to you, their response is built into the poll, which is pretty interesting, in the sense that you're saying that the people who have this belief about the media, distrust in the media, have that belief because they're told to have that belief by you know right-wing mm -hmm. this and alternative media, et cetera. Whereas I trust the media and the, the, the they don't <laughs> i do right i mean it's kind of like baked into the kind of the, the the thing itself is that you have to imagine that the people who are your opposites on this issue mm -hmm. have no free will 
They don't think about these things because of actual examples, not because they were just a Covington Catholic, not because how the George Floyd stuff was covered. Not I'm just taking recent examples, whether uh -huh. it was COVID or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not because of any of those actual things, right? It's all because what uh, they are being told, right? That is the reason because they don't believe, they, they're too dumb and I'm too smart. I'm very smart. That's why I believe the media. These people are quite dumb. They believe the media too, but the wrong media. And they actually believe anything they're told by this media. Whereas I actually believe this because I came to it on my own conclusions and I just happened to line up with these people. That is how they view the world, which is a kind of terrifying and dare I say, mildly authoritarian way of viewing things of that mm -hmm. like you need to be guided. Mm -hmm. You need, you know, I always loved that, you know, the, the Nazis had a ministry of propaganda and what? Enlightenment. That was mm. the second word. Propaganda and enlightenment. You need to be enlightened. Enlightenment is not about education, right? You, you don't, you already have the information, but you're just, you're not processing it in the right way. I need to enlighten you as to how to process that information. And I find that to be the most condescending thing. And that's kind of one of the things that drives people so far apart in this country is to not say that somebody's wrong or they or you disagree with them. You say that they're actually too dumb to even get it and they're being tricked. It's like being in a cult. It's like you, don't, you don't actually come to these conclusions. The cult leader has told you what to believe. Mm -hmm. And because you're so heavily invested in the cult that you'll believe anything they say. And that's like the Donald Trump thing, that lines up in some ways, the, the kind of culty elements of Trumpism. But not when it comes to the media. That is an old thing, and it's happened for a long time because there is no representation. I'll give you an example of this, a hilarious thing. I was listening to the 538 podcast the other day, and there was a, this is so remarkable, and they all have that voice. They all have that like, um, okay, so <laughs> I uh, have a podcast, and I live in Brooklyn, okay? <laughs> so um, this stat, and like said, somebody said something that the number, the percentage of people that live within 10 miles of where they went to high school. It was something 30, 40, 50%, some, some big number. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, I cannot believe that. I can't believe that. And, everyone, and someone was like, you know, I really can't even believe that number that that many, it's like, you are so out of touch, aren't you? You literally can't understand why anybody didn't grow up where you were and like moved to New York City. And like, how come they didn't <laughs> go to Brown? You know, how come they didn't go to Berkeley or Stanford and then go get a job in LA or New York? It's like, because they're working class people and they live close to where they grew up. The wonder, the, the wonder from these people, like I can't believe that that actually is true. In someone, in fairness, someone did say, I think this is kind of elitist of us to, <laughs> to, to say, to, to be alarmed by that. But it is the kind of disconnect between people in the media and even the ones that say, hey, I grew up in small town Florida. Um, there's one journalist in particular who says this all the time. I grew up in some small place in the South. And it's like, and you've lived in New York for 30 years and you literally have turned your back on, you, you ran out of there as fast as you could and you don't know anything that's happened there in 35 years. <laughs> and I know you, you grew up there, but you wanted to get the fuck out. I want you to understand the people that stayed and you don't and you never will. But anyway, it's a long rant. I mean, imagine, imagine um, your, your block, whatever it might be, has more uh, confidence, respect, belief, trust in the media than 10 years ago. That'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this as a knee-jerk anti-media person, but... Um, <laughs> Although you uh, are one. <laughs> but, uh, 
Uh, I'm I not can. actually. I, I participate. I love media. I start. I start media. I participate in yes. it. I love you it. You critique Always because have. you care. And yes, um, you yes. and <laughs> and also <laughs> like um, <laughs> the the places that have been the totems of media with very few ex- examples are smaller and I think worse than they were ten years ago. Um, you know, certainly all the the local newspaper industry has been. Uh, decimated in the original sense of that term um a lot of uh, you know so much more of the total number of journalists in america live in new york city than they did 10 years ago it's like it's gone from from a third to a half or some some gross number like that just sort of local news has died um papers that were grand and big like the one i grew up with la times and used to work for is really small and 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 there's just not much there so like imagine your group says you know what it's better than ever <laughs> it's better than 10 years ago it's just like you can't wrap your mind around it there should be a, a cause for some self-reflection of like are you playing yourself did you did did you play yourself um i think they kind of did what happens when media becomes more indistinguishable from democrats and then becomes comfort food like i'm sure you can get a poll saying uh democrats think that comedy is fun funnier than ever but also like the actual ratings for all the late night comedy shows are in the shitter, as are the actual numbers from almost all media properties. Like it's you recognize that they are doing the things um, that reinforce your sense of tribalism. But do you like it? Do you honestly in your heart say it's better than it was 10 years ago? You don't. You don't. You're just trying to use your answer to a poll to express your affinity for a group that has now become less indistinguishable, less distinguishable, I'm sorry, um, than a, a explicitly politically based group. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I agree. Deep yeah. Thoughts. Yeah. What was that? Didn't, did, what was the thing that you sent me or you sent us via text, Matt, where I said, you know, this is actually the problem and this is why we're, we're as balkanized as we are. I can't remember what it was, but there was something you sent, and I was like, "These people are the problem." And I just, I'm trying to remember, and like, I'm, I'm failing. And and the reason I'm failing is because there's so much lunacy on our text change, and I was texting, and I was sca- I was scrolling up, and I was like, "Is so there a much. picture of Britney Spears naked on a bed?" And then a chase, <laughs> yeah, and then a chase uh, uh, bank thing that uh, yeah, you know, screenshotted about how to buy from people of different races. Yes, <laughs> yeah. All, oh, all things true. that are there's this white yeah. white fragility. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what? Why is uh, there's the why NHL? Is Britney Spears like naked being... on a de- bed. What is happening exactly? She's ma- she's she making her kids going to be like. <laughs> I have a premiere uh, for a movie this week. The legislative act of my. Did she have her account hacked? Like, what no. is going on there? You do realize that this whole receivership thing was a good idea. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like everyone's like free her. What's up, like Rod? she's like literally. Like out of her mind. I mean, she's like Mabutu Seisi Seiko all of a sudden. I mean, she's like completely insane. I'm on the side of Britney's father, to be honest. The legislative act of my vagina, although she uses a. a no, she a, says yeah, pussy. Was, I was just not going to use the word. See, I'm afraid what, of the P word. Suddenly, but, I, but I'll drop. <laughs> can't say this. Like we're on fucking NBC now or something. Wow. I, but I don't understand what's happening there. Is there is there a real music video coming out? I I don't. Okay, it doesn't matter, or a documentary, or something. It doesn't matter. 
I mean, it's not like we would watch that sort of thing because that is unbelievable. I mean, that sort of gratuitous nudity is not something that we would endorse here on the Fifth Column Podcast. We're against that. Um, Taylor Lorenz <laughs> tweeted something about health communism. It's pretty good. Oh, good. I was, good. I was looking at our text chat and it was like, Taylor Lorenz tweeting about a book called Health Communism and it's like published by it's published by Verso, the British like commie book uh, 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 publisher. Did she like and this book? Some, and she's like, yeah, it's amazing. And then someone's she's like, it's essential it's out reading. Of stock. And then she went, ah, oh, shoot. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> might be at an independent bookstore, but not sure. Like what? <laughs> might restock soon. Like you, this is Washington Post hired this person. <laughs> like what the fuck is this? She's just being uh, helpful. Literally, it's a book called Health Communism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, by the way, didn't she and her setup was super wealthy in New York City? Uh, apparently, I don't know. When she wasn't going to boarding school in Switzerland. Oh shit, that's right. She went to Swiss boarding um, school. That's great. Yeah. Good for her. Health Communism. <laughs> the thing, the thing that you were reacting to, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> about <laughs> the more Jeez. they do this shit, the more radicalized uh, people become. Yeah, and they are making American polarized. This was uh, Scott Horton, the anti-war libertarian, oh, yeah. oh. Uh, didn't didn't uh, an interview with Matt Taibbi, yeah. um, uh, in which they talked about comparative media reactions to, I guess, uh, discussions of elections yeah. being tampered with or stolen or whatever between 2016 and 2020. And then I'm just going to read the Scott um, uh, Horton. Uh, uh, tweet. All right. Well, I guess I have to get back on Twitter for a day to try to handle this problem. Meet the censored me, he says. Meet the censored is a common subcategory on uh, Matt Tybee's uh, Substack. Says uh, uh, YouTube has censored my recent interview of Matt Tybee. It was here, and uh, and that gets into um, you know uh, demonetization stuff and a bunch of uh, crazy things. And it's like uh, you know as as possible disinformation. Um, it is astonishing to me, and I was thinking about this recently and talking about this in terms of PayPal, because PayPal mm -hmm. was suddenly going to go after people first for misinformation, second for now it's intolerance. Charge them and where yes. they, yeah, yeah, from their account yeah. that they have 20, with PayPal, because that's the whole fucking point yeah. of PayPal. Look at twenty five hundred dollars. It's like I'm old enough to remember PayPal. Oh, yeah, like PayPal was <laughs> was a it was a, among others. Yeah, it was supposed to be like. This radical new, you own your own banking, you can root around all the systems, except, you know, if you're doing misinformation or perhaps intolerance, then we'll just steal yeah, your money. Uh, but YouTube, <laughs> YouTube, I do a lot more, but YouTube is the same way. Like it was, you know, what was it, 10 years ago, 15 years yeah. ago, five years ago? I don't even know anymore, but there was a time when like YouTube would have everything. Yeah, sure. They would have, that was, that mm -hmm. was it. That mm -hmm. was the point. It was mm -hmm. the everything mm -hmm. store. Yeah. And once something becomes so popular as the everything store, that's when all this pressure comes down on it. And that's when the people who work there are like, yeah, I love that pressure because now we can make sure that Scott fucking Horton and Matt fucking Taibbi can't talk about comparative treatments of the 2016 and 2020 elections. So we're going to go after them. Like, Do you know who what left when are you, you even go doing? after people who have big accounts um, and are popular when they're talking about issues you don't mm. like and not even talking about them in a provocative way, just saying this is crazy and this is what people are getting shut down for. And then of course getting shut down when you're talking about what people are getting shut down for. Mm -hmm. The people who are left are the crazy people because you know, there are racists, there are like Holocaust deniers, there are deniers of all sorts of things that are just demonstrably true all over YouTube. You just, they're just not huge, right? 
They don't find all of these people. They're all over the place. I find them all the time. And what do you, at what point do you take stuff down that is historically offensive, right? By which I mean, like, if you want to watch a, look, all we talk about is propaganda and fascism and all this bullshit, you know, this, the MSNBC um, uh, schedule for the day, fascism, fascism, propaganda, fascism, uh, <laughs> then the lady whose uh, account got hacked by homophobes and some more fascism. And then, like, what do you do when you actually are referencing that stuff that, you know, you want to go back and say, okay, you're talking about this is just like the past. Can you take stuff down that is, you know, um, like anti-Semitic films that were made by, made by the Germans? They're available. I've looked, I've looked them up. I sent them to Kanye. I was like, dude, great film. I love this. <laughs> really good. Just, just hang on. There's a police, there's like, like a car chase at the end. No more. Um, no, more. Just, no more. No um, more. <laughs> But like, do you take that stuff down? I mean, because one would presume it's hate material, but it's also necessary to view this stuff to understand, you know, how it was used and how it was produced. You know, it's, it's the way, it's like the Germans did this a long time ago. You couldn't buy Mein Kampf. And they mm -hmm. finally allowed Mein Kampf because basically what happened was the copyright transferred uh, into the hands of the Bavarian government. And so then they wouldn't allow people to publish it. So they own the copyright. So that was how it was essentially banned in Germany. And then they allowed a copy to be created recently, but it was an annotated copy by historians. So they annotated it because you couldn't be trusted to read this stuff on its own. Um, now you could just go on the internet and download a PDF in two seconds in any language you wanted because when it's banned and when it's uh, forbidden, people reproduce it. You know, it was, there was a while that the, the most popular book in Iran was uh, the Satanic Verses. You can look this up. There were bootleg copies in Farsi that you could buy all over Iran. And it was tremendously popular because guess what? <laughs> when you, when you Streisand affects something, people, people will buy it, people will look for it. But I just don't understand the idea with YouTube. Like, is there an end goal? Is it to get rid of everything that's bad? Because stuff's going to slip through, right? I mean, if Matt Taibbi and Scott Horton are talking about things that you think should be banned, I mean, that, my guess there is that 40%, 50% of everything else would be banned too. I'm not even lying. I think it's probably 40 to 50% if that is the standard. I mean, this stuff that's offensive, yeah. jokes are offensive, you know? I mean, where does it end? Yeah, moderation is, is really hard. And I, I Don't have, do it. I've often kind of de defended the platforms because that is at least one defense for a number of the obviously bad decisions that they make um, routinely when they're when they're engaged in this stuff but it is very interesting that there are certain categories of content that it seems almost never get subjected to these like absurd bans and if i wanted to uh spend the rest of the evening watching people be murdered um or violently yeah. assaulted i could easily do that on youtube like yeah. easily like without a problem yeah um, and some of some of the some of the murders um, are like police involved shootings. And there's an obvious public interest in having that sort of content available for people to look at. Um, but some of the assaults are just like bullshit fuckery, like insanity and violence. Um, and Pamela Presky, who is uh, a, a friend we all know, a person we all know from the city and um, someone who uh, has collaborated with like Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff, um, had a post about uh like uh, teen self-harm and these communities of kids who are self-harming on Twitter, who are often posting pictures of themselves mutilating their own bodies. And 
there are these people who will respond to their tweets, encouraging them to do this um, and to go further in various ways. They egg one another on. And she'd taken part in a study that um, led to some reporting that highlighted the fact that this was happening on Twitter. And then the other day, she sent out a tweet, um, which included some screen caps of a couple posts that were on the platform then. And she was flagging them critically, saying, these posts are still up. You can still mm. easily search these keywords to find the communities of young people who are you know, carving spiders into their arms and, and doing all sorts of weird stuff with self-harm. Um, and she ended up getting a ban, which was eventually lifted after a like, weeks-long ordeal, I think. Um, and it's hard to know exactly what happened there because the answers are never really forthcoming. Um, but again, there are certain certain categories of content that seem to never really have this happen to them, and I don't have any empirical data. It's just it's unfortunate um, that that this all takes on a bit of a, a political tone, and it's probably not so surprising considering that the the current administration, and I suspect the last administration as well, but certainly the current administration are occasionally colluding directly with these private companies encouraging them to censor oh, yeah. certain kinds of content, which interestingly, I've frequently heard it said that, you know, conservatives are the ones who ban books. Conservatives are the ones who are targeting bad ideas that they do not want, um, you know, people to, to, to engage with. Um, but liberals have no problem doing that. Um, and many of them Everybody are capable does. of doing it through the culture. Yeah. And this administration has been twice actually has had sort of prominent, um, instances of them doing this in concerted ways once when they tried to stand up that disinformation misinformation board which was scuttled um, because of bad press um, but then again and in a sustained way um, in terms of their behind closed doors behind the scenes engagement with the social media companies and kind of regularly providing advice and perhaps in other surreptitious ways directing them to push people off of platforms or to censor them or to apply more pressure here or there. Um, and that's a, that's a legitimate problem, a legitimate concern that's worth flagging for people. They're applying pressure on companies uh, for whom they have a lot of, of regulatory oversight. Of yeah. Saying, you know, you, you don't really, you don't really want to have Alex mm -hmm. on that. And Republicans yeah. aren't better on this. They've, 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 they've made it very there. clear when we get control, yeah. We are going to do things to you if you don't abide by these strictures, if you don't do yeah. more to benefit us or treat, quote, quote unquote, treat us more fairly. Um, but again, once you're doing this, the possibility that this goes awry, that you're doing more than just policing COVID, quote unquote, COVID misinformation. The, the, the whole um, thing has, to be, is has to be unwound. The whole thing has to be destroyed. The idea of it has the to internet, be destroyed. The internet? No, the, the moderation. I mean, <laughs> moderate for things that like are violent. Moderate for the stuff that you would expect moderation, what it was moderated for in the past. Yeah. The existence of Donald Trump made everyone go crazy and made everyone think that the only reason he became president was because people were fed things on the internet and if those didn't exist, he wouldn't become president. That's kind of one of the motivating yeah. factors here. And like this idea of like there, there are guardrails that we have to put up on historical facts and things. This took me five seconds to find a video... Uh, debunking lies about Stalin uh, with Professor Grover Fur, who's a famous, like the David Irving of, um, he's, a, he's a Stalin apologist at Montclair State University, notorious. He's a complete psycho. But there's an interview with him in the uh, Unmasking Imperialism series, episode 81. <laughs> it literally says that he killed nobody and everything was fine. Do we take that down?
No, I, I want to watch it. No, I want to watch it. I want to watch these complete fucking psychos like slobbering all over each other and saying Stalin was a hero. Yeah, no, that's fine. But when you have no trust in people, and when the election of Donald Trump proves to you that the people can't be trusted, that you must be the kind of paternalist, you know, patting them on the head saying, that's not good for you, this is good for you. It's kind of a food pyramid for information. We'll mm -hmm. tell you what's good for you and tell you what's not. That is a dangerous precedent because it's always how it starts and it always goes wrong. I can't think of an example where it hasn't gone wrong. Mm -hmm. So they should just stop doing this stuff altogether. The most basic moderation for, you know, you know the obvious stuff, like the, the, you know, the gore, the murder, the like, I'm live streaming my shooting spree, that kind of stuff, the stuff that they've moderated for from the very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. Trying to pick and choose politics is like, it's, it never ends well. And that's why you have Rumble, right? That's which is now like through a SPAC, a public company. Like this is literally, this is creating competition because this shit never goes away. Mm -hmm. Stop thinking it's going to go away. You know, they don't want it to go away. They want there it off their platform one, so, they don't, so they don't feel bad about it. There's one great solution, not quite a final solution, but a great solution <laughs> oh to the uh, comments moderation to of problem. Like that this week. There's just, there's a lot yeah. going on with um, I'm just saying. Which is that if you, I'm not the one who's apologizing for <laughs> any remarks, so I can make that joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, is that uh, the comment? We don't need to do comments moderation at uh, Fifth That's Column. That's true. You know, you know how that happens. Pay for it. Is that paying subscribers yeah. can can That's comment, right. and the comments are fantastic. fantastic. They are. It's fantastic. Like, it's like a filled it's with like information. A speech. It's like everyone's laughing. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is laughing. Sometimes the first time to stop clapping. Gets sometimes executed. there's criticism, but the criticism is substantive. Yeah, That's it's fine. not always thoughtful. It's nice. It's but good. It's substantive. Yeah. yeah. Substance <laughs> is sometimes you ask just wrong. Don't be disagreeing yeah. with me in the comments on my uh, podcast. Don't do yeah. that. Uh, I think the comments uh, this call time will be out. like, no, Camille, I think that women are allowed to actually have professions outside of the home. Spoke, That'll be the first you sound, comment. You sound like a girl. <laughs> you got tampons in your ears. Um, uh, oh, my God. Oh, oh my gosh. I kid. I kid because I, love, because I love uh, women. <laughs> Believe all women. That's what I do. Um, yeah. Uh, it doesn't say employ all women. It just says well, believe no. them. I mean, yeah. listen, somebody yeah. got to take care of the kids, be at home, uh, make my dinner. Um, <laughs> I do not endorse any of this no. Jamaican misogyny. So a couple of, January 6th was mentioned, a couple drive by, a drive by there um, this week, Justice Department <laughs> um, actually gave the judge their recommendation, um, the fine of $200,000 that they were looking for from Steve Bannon. And apparently a six month sentence uh, for defying the the subpoena, uh, the congressional subpoena. Uh, I don't don't know how I feel about that, uh, but we don't. I don't know when we'll get a ruling on that. I don't know when there'll be a decision, but I know that 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 was this week. Um, and Bannon wants to go to jail. The January sixth committee um, insists <laughs> that the they are they are they may well the reporting is that they may subpoena Donald Trump um, as early as tomorrow. Um, and as I mentioned a while ago, it's not obvious to me that this is the greatest move for Democrats who were perhaps hoping that the their serious robust effort to keep January sixth in the news would be a, a net benefit to them in this election. Um, so, 
there's that. I don't know if we care to comment on it any further. No, not, not particularly. Um, he says as Moynihan <laughs> vanished from Moynihan's the screen. Gone. Uh, what else is Crackalack, Matt? Uh, there are certainly other things that have, are of interest to me. I mean, we could talk about Draymond Green's fight. Um, we could talk about the NHL um, and their bold new initiative to hire less white people, um, I guess, and more more ladies. I should say that uh, a mea culpa. Mea culpa on our last uh, members only dispatch, in which I was kind of like freelancing some NFL history and get just kind of <laughs> on. Uh, Warren, Warren Moon, Steve Young, Tom Flores, just like over seven. Uh, so, Wait, what uh, yeah, did you say I, about I, Warren Moon? I'll that stick was to wrong. I just that uh, that he, he was good. Uh, like apparently overrated his early career or whatever, and um, and underrated uh, Steve Young's. Oh, well, there we it's go. Not important. Just Matt equals wrong Moynihan's back um Camille's like trying to French goodbye you know Camille they do uh, now count in the comments the number of uh of, mm-hmm. of minutes I say after, goodbye we should get I suppose out of here. we've been going yeah. for a long time get out of here. yeah it's yeah, a yeah, thing. yeah it's, it's a thing like, I have things that yeah, I do yeah, yeah. No, you, it's you called gotta, fan service Matt yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm aware um that's, that's uh, Moynihan, Moynihan yeah. you're <laughs> they you were excited should, I think we about... should wrap this up and then fucking do a Bergman movie afterwards they love it's it like four hours long they love it they want yeah. it they want it yeah, they want it to go yeah. longer um so okay. I think we should wrap this up this is hour three is coming <laughs> your way soon um when you stepped away when I was mentioning the the NHL's um new workforce initiative and how exciting yeah. that is and I know you are very fewer excited Canadians is that what Kim, they were trying to get <laughs> Kim Davis new <laughs> NHL um <laughs> executive vice president of social impact growth and legislative affairs who's been leading an effort to to analyze the internal demographics of the NHL. And they discovered the headline here in the AP, the AP tweet. <laughs> is they a lot they of discovered black people to play hockey. Workforce. You want to pay me to do that study? Take me <laughs> about 20 minutes. <laughs> the workforce <laughs> is, des- is described as overwhelmingly white. So oh obviously goodness. very, oh. now very do the one serious, on the NBA. robust, robust <laughs> investigation. Um, I, I don't know that there's actually much to say about this, but the presser <laughs> the presser was a little funny. Um she's flanked by two men in suits who will who apparently be fired so very soon yes. because they are two male and two white. Yeah. Um and you you just can't have that many of those yeah. people. Um she celebrated the fact that, you know, the women were demographically uh represented mm-hmm. within the company at almost the same rate as Why their not fandom, on the ice though? Which is which well that's one question. But I fine, wonder. if you want to keep it all gendered as male, um, but if you're yeah. going to go for racial equity, I think you should go for racial equity in in the C-suite, in the front office, and on the ice. I think if we're right. going to abandon merit as a standard, um, and we're going to presume that any racial disparities that deviate from the racial uh, rep- demographics of the local community or the fandom or whatever the hell, it should look the same way on the ice. Uh-huh. I mean, that's just it. That is how it should work. Full so here, because so anything else is unfa- unfair and unjust. So um, I just, I just want to say that you know you can do it regionally. Remember we talked about this the other day of like you know you have a regional kind of representation. So yeah. you know, if it's New York City, there's going to be more of like um, if you do that in hockey. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what percentage of Canada is black? By the way, three point five percent. 
You can't have more than three point five percent of, of Ex- black people playing in the yeah. There's a cap. No, because every it's, a hard it's cap. basically it's basically a Canadian game. Yeah. So why don't we just put it all in Canada and then yeah. just say every every hundred people that you hire, yeah, I'll give you four black people. <laughs> <laughs> One can be, you know, like like Jewish Iranian or something, like something kind of like fun, interesting and like yeah. surprising. <laughs> and then like, Oh, he's Korean and from Alberta. It's like, awesome. I mean, put him in the front office. Does he know anything about hockey? Dude, <laughs> he doesn't even speak English. He doesn't know where he is. We literally found him at the airport. We're just trying to make everybody happy. <laughs> but can't you imagine the interview? I mean, well, Rick, I'm so glad you came in and we, we loved your credentials. Everything about this is amazing, but I got to tell you, we've already got a lot of you people here. So yeah. the real yeah. question is, what do you have to offer that Tyrone doesn't? Because yeah. we really uh, like well, Tyrone and he's been here for a while I, I and he looks a lot like you. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I played in the NHL for eight years and then Fair. played in the Swedish league for four. Fair. Um, I've written seven <laughs> books about hockey. Fair. Fair. I, just, I don't want to do Tyrone. You did it. You did a little bit. On a free episode <laughs> too. I didn't do it. This is gonna be the one. <laughs> this this is gonna be the one. Just, you oh, can do impressions God. of anybody except for not anybody. I mean, she you know? she literally refers to this. Practice. I'm gonna just do it as Italian. <laughs> what about you, Tony? I tell you, I don't know much about the hockey. <laughs> Which is fine. He's that's a bad. <laughs> that's oh, safe. he's a crazy. <laughs> that's safe. Yeah. Why do you hit the puck? He's so crazy so fast. <laughs> That's Tyrone. Yeah, it is very <laughs> odd the way the rule the way the rules work. Because I think yeah, I you could probably rules. even get away with doing like a Yiddish sort of uh, Jewish accent. How do you know from hockey? Yeah, How are you doing? <laughs> take the shot. Let's try this. Care. Let's try this now. Do Tyrone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you come to play the hockey so much. He's so no good. So see, see how see where how are you from? Mississauga, Ontario. See Very how unfair this is. Yeah. See so unfair. It's crazy. Yeah, why is it? This yeah. is wrong. See, because when I do that voice, the one that I just was allowed to do, that then you get people like Kanye because they hear me it's and they're true. like, "Oh, it's okay. It's okay to hate." You're responsible. Jews. You're responsible. So responsible. Scottish people, fine. Oh my gosh. Canadians the, fine. The worst. It's part just of whites, the, I guess. Right? Is that basically yeah. it? Because well, you can't do an Indian accent. You well, could no, do you a can, Chinese accent. You can't. You, you can, absolutely can. You can't. Can. Can. They no, took it off the yeah, Simpsons. Of course you can't. Yeah, you can't really. It doesn't matter. No, no, really, no. That's that's the cathedral. Really and you'll and you'll get in trouble <laughs> if you. Well, I don't know. Let's. We don't need. There's one person that controls the jail there, but it's yeah. Still, it's still too many. You know. It's so funny because I um saw. <laughs> I can't this this is a bit too review. I won't I, I'll just say that there was a reference the other day to Blake Edwards. Yeah. The great director who did the Pink Panther movies, but he also did the party. Um yeah. if you haven't seen the party, absolute classic. It is still on Amazon. So I would say uh go go see the party now before they take it off. Because it is literally <laughs> it is literally <laughs> just a very famous comedian, very funny, famous comedian, who uh, is playing an Indian guy who's actually from England and uh, is actually in the Let It Be documentary, too. So you can yeah. you can look that up. I don't want to, to, to give it away, but um, it, it is... Uh, I don't know when the last time I saw it was, but it's, it's one of Peter Sellers' weirder movies, but Blake Edwards directed it, uh, who was married to... Um, what's her name? Julie Andrews, Julie Andrews. For, for years. And um, yeah, did uh, Victor Victoria, yes. which is pretty That's good. Right. Uh, 
1980-like uh, transgressive yes, gender bender. And, but also made the party. So if he was alive today, they would never do like a retrospective where that movie was played. Um, and it's very and also funny, did, but you're not allowed to think it's funny. If I'm not mistaken, uh, 10, right? With with uh, Dudley Moore and uh, l- lusting was after uh, Bo Derek. Yeah. Did he do that? I think it was. Um, no, because no, that was John. Because um, he married Bo Derek, the guy who did Ten, right? It was John. Um, what's his name? I know this is how we end this fucking movie. This, <laughs> yeah, this thing exactly. every time. It's like what a disaster. No, it was Blake Edwards. It was Blake Edwards. That's correct. See, yeah, but who is the guy that married Bo Derek? John. Um, John Jack. Derek, who played in the Ten Commandments. Oh, that's what he was in Ten hot. Commandments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oily, hot. Yeah, Bo, chest. Bo Derek is still alive. Um, and by the way. Born in Long Beach. Republican. Did you know that? I mean. Did you actually know that? Come on. Oh, no. I thought you were like, went, like grew up going to I the know. Derek Library or something. In Long Beach. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm now at the age and with the long COVID and all, um, uh, where like, I'm like today, uh, uh, my friend sent me a, a notice that there was a moment in the 70s when the Beatles had maybe bought the rights to the Lord of the Rings and wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct. That's like a trifecta of shit I should know. And I'm like, I had to have known that at some point. There's no yeah. way. You, you think like you forgot that because yeah. of COVID? A Kubrick. Uh, I think I th- forgot that because of old. Well, and of course. So is like, it actually doing, true? Is that true that the Beatles? The, I think it's pretty thinly. The, there's like, some truth you know, to it, was, it. It was more yeah. of a desire. There's than, some truth yeah. to it. And then there is, of course, the reason that Peter Sellers is in the Get Back documentary is he's at that point making a uh, film with Ringo called The Magic Christian, mm. which Magic is Christian. one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I tried to watch it. It's one of those like zany Super 70s, like, um, you know, trippy movies. And it's just like, this is really fucking stupid. <laughs> Who's the shit heel writer that everyone overpraised at the time who oh, wrote yeah. that uh, or maybe wrote the yeah. novel? That uh, it was based yeah, on, I forget. Movies. He was everywhere in like 60s I and 70s. I watched it after yeah. I saw the Let It Be documentary. And I was like, man, how come I never saw um, Magic Christian? And uh, then I watched it and I was like, oh, that's how I, why I never saw it. Because <laughs> it actually has like yeah. uh, John Cleese and Graham Chapman and Spike Milligan and all those like comedians and stuff. But uh, including the Badfinger uh, theme song, which is written by Paul McCartney. Oh. Come and get it. So, oh yeah. And by the way, the, the, the book is written by Ter- Terry Southern. That's what you're thinking of. That's yeah. it. Yes. So, anyway. We should um, yeah, we should we should wrap up. Um, I, I, did see, um, <laughs> I did see Tulsi, <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard. Favorite podcast. <laughs> my favorite podcast. My favorite podcast is Rachel Maddow's. This is my favorite. <laughs> I did see Tulsi Gabbard is not wasting any time that this week she's uh, on the campaign um, uh, trail and she is stumping for Blake Masters and Carrie Lake. Um, mm-hmm. and Carrie Lake once pretty yeah, was describing describing uh, Carrie Lake's the situation there and saying that this is that she's you know doing this because the basics are under attack and that we have some people here um, who deny the ex- uh, the existence of objective truth and that Carrie Lake is going to help return us to uh, a period of of objective truth um, uh-huh. at which point someone screams from the audience. Um, ask her who won the last election. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, that's good. that didn't yeah. that didn't actually happen, but it could have. Uh, it would have oh. been funny if it did. Because yeah. um, yeah. you know, she's a big friend of Mike Lindell's, the My Pillow guy. Yeah, I just really want to uh, give a high fuckity five to all of the people who, at various points in her predictably self-centered 
journey of being an iconoclast thought that Tulsi was on your team and who think that now even like good luck with that super fun um you got you got played yeah i don't don't know what i don't know what team she's on i don't i don't know what what She's on Blake Masters and Carrie Lake's team. Oh, and That's the guy the in New Hampshire, she, Tucker Carlson's she team. For what's his name? That's the team. Like she's, I'm endorsing over here. Yeah. Look at me. This is I mean, what I'm doing. Very, she's very on Team quick. Tulsi. Always yeah, has been. Very quick. What's his name? Don Boldick. He's a complete lunatic. A low fucking ha. Yeah. That's what yeah. we're seeing. She she is the October surprise, although it's not much of a surprise. It's literally nothing surprising. <laughs> there was, I got a an email from uh, Americans for Limited Government, which is the, one of the more hilariously <laughs> misnamed, uh, misnamed kind of like or like yeah. At some point, we're gonna change the name. Um, yeah, this is from today. If I get it uh, in front of me, and I probably won't. Um, Unless, well, maybe that they limit government in different here. ways. There are lots of ways to limit government. You could just keep it big. So and keep this out is people you don't like. I mean, it sounds to me like sort of like the Democratic this Republic is, of Korea. <laughs> it's this is like an old, like you know, Richard Vigory style yeah, conservative email yes. PR campaign type of people who were like super big Tea Partiers back in that day and super big neocons back in that day, whatever. Um, this is the headline or the subject line on their email to me this morning. Anti-intervention independents lead opposition to Ukraine in NATO, parentheses, and nuclear war, comma, poll says, as Tulsi Gabbard signals wave. That is that English? Or is that, is that, <laughs> is that tonight's wordle? What the fuck is that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Americans I like to have sometimes in a Tulsi wave. <laughs> On all the Ukrainians of the NATO, my friend. This is what happens. Good that Lord. is exactly what happens. Is open borders have ruined Republican um, uh, exactly. email campaign. No, yeah, they're Stop being me. written by Ecuadorians <laughs> who just learned English. Oh my God! <laughs> when did bridge? Yeah, that is <laughs> truly amazing. I, I love that they're all in that bandwagon now. They're like, uh, Ukraine, NATO, nuclear war, and we're doing this and we're doing that. I'm like, eh, a couple other people involved in that whole thing, too. But all right. I liked it oh, back when Republicans man. hated Russians, but you know, <laughs> not enough these days. Oh, my God. Okay, we, we do, we do in we fact, go. have to go. We have to yeah. wrap this up. But David Frum this is the last thing. Oh, this is the last <laughs> thing. This is the last thing. David Frum. Ralph Macchio. The the French Canadian goodbye. David Frum. I told you this is what they want. David Frum um, is is tweeting earlier this week about um, Elon Musk um, and his uh, company that has satellites Mm -hmm. that help you get internet. Starlink, it's called. Yeah, I I know. I know it's called Starlink. Um, But he was he was (laughs) suggesting he was suggesting that if Elon was no longer interested in providing service to the Ukrainians um, that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's appropriate to pay him, but also if he's going to act up, you know, we could nationalize his shit. We could just take it yeah, because there's a precedent for it because, you know, in times of war or national but emergency, we get to national, we get to nationalize your shit. So long the as we Ukrainians pay you a fair get to price. nationalize American companies. <laughs> is that how that works? No, this is the American government nationalizing an American company 
because the Ukrainians are at war with Russia, a war that we're kind of sort of giving them stuff to help fight, but we're not formally. Do we have to nationalize that. anything for the Central African Republic who's been involved in a Why conflict not? for? What yeah. do they need? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben and Jerry's, we got yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's we'll an emergency. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great if warlords started making demands of David Frum. Like, I want ice cream. And it's like, okay, just get it. Take over the company. haagen you're owned by us now. The government's taking it over. So, so crazy. Yeah. Uh, but the funny- People the fun- really lose their conservatism pretty fast after Donald Trump, didn't it's, they? It's very fast. But what's what's odd, my, my mean- buddy um, Zach Cantor um, had tweeted, um, because I'd, I'd missed it, that Frum had just written a post um, for the Atlantic called Trump just told us his master plan. Um, and the subhead of course is if he gets in next time, he won't be dislodged by any means. And the premise of this column is about how we're on the verge of, you know, this totalitarian dictator who seizes power for life. <laughs> and then the uh. following day he's tweeting about nationalizing private companies, um, because there's a precedent for it. And of course, in this particular context, the precedent is totally not applicable. This it's is only it's look, bizarre. When you deny an election <laughs> and your Stacey Abrams is fine. When you nationalize a company and take them over because they don't do what you want and you're David Frum, it's fine. We're going to pay a I, I fair price. We're going to pay a fair price. What is the problem here? It's an emergency. We're going to pay a fair price. And we need your stuff for Good the price, war over there. Fair price. The best price. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with that? One month ago... David Frum uh, decided that was the time of all times to attempt a rehabilitation. No, a defense of his infamous uh, National Review, I think 2002, maybe 2003, called Unpatriotic Conservatives, where he goes against Pat Buchanan, goes against um, uh, basically anti-interventionist people, uh, conservatives who were uh, against the Iraq war. And the Oof. kicker of the piece is basically they didn't leave um, they didn't just turn against war, they turned against America. Mm. Um, it's really, uh, you should read it. There's a lot of vile pieces written um, and trying to affect the discourse, not just arguing in, in favor of things, but arguing in pretty stark terms against anyone who would dare disagree with the things that people wanted. Max Boot certainly wrote a, a rag bag of those. Norman Podhortz wrote some crazy ass shit like World War Four. Remember World that War one three. hand, like in a, a commentary? No, it was four. It was four, I think. Oh, we'll, maybe, we'll maybe. go. Oh, because we'll, uh, I think there was something else. It was World War Three. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah, or maybe he was just doing the Albert Einstein <laughs> Einstein uh, quote kind of thing. But uh, Frum's uh, column is as much as I uh, disagreed at the time and even now with the people that he was criticizing for a bunch of different reasons, um, it was vile. It was an attempt to write out of respectable American politics a group of people based on um, their uh, position on a war that turned out to be super shitty, that Frum was a, a prominent uh, cheerleader of and, and like apologist for in real time. And about a month ago, he's like, yeah, I was totally right about that um, because a lot of those same characters now are against uh, uh, arming Ukraine uh, in this particular <laughs> war. Um, and Tim Carney, I think, had it right, which is like, you no, you can't. Are you really doing this right now? Just don't do this, David Frum. But David Frum, who Moynihan and I both know and like, um, as a I've had a uh, lot of person, lovely times with David. I haven't spoken to him in many 
many years. I've um, I've always enjoyed his company, and it's hard to uh, criticize him, even though that I disagree with like everything that he writes and everything that he thinks. I just you know I just I, I find the whole thing very strange, and I think that him and Bill Crystal especially are people who um, were conservatives that opposed Donald Trump and then became something else. And I don't believe that they're um, even conservatives. I mean, they're at, you know, what Lionel Trilling called the middle of the journey. I think they're in the middle of the journey of uh, becoming Jen Rubin and just finally abandoning this, you know. Jen Rubin had a column in the Washington Post that was like, you know, right hook or whatever the fuck it was called, <laughs> which i wrote for a number of times by the way when she was on vacation um wow and uh, she asked me to sub for her and i did and uh then they kind of quietly retired that because it was like don't you have to believe something that is kind of like vaguely conservative to be i mean like they would never ask me to do that because i'm not a conservative but these people that have become professional conservatives i mean what is bill crystal if not a professional conservative or neoconservative He's just like, you know, saying like, how do we get Democrats elected these days? I mean, literally, that's what he says. I mean, that's he's he's like Democrats need to step up and save the country. And it's not like we don't have any other alternative. He's saying these are the people with the right ideas uh, just in general, too. So he's made a complete 180, which is something that I'll never understand. You know, Brockian in its way, <laughs> you know, let's um, let us table yeah, in sure. that vein. Uh, dis discussion of the Lincoln Project documentary Have on Showtime because I haven't begun watching it. Yet. I haven't begun watching it yet, but I am absolutely gonna. I, I should post that uh, thing that clip that I sent you guys of uh, Steve Schmidt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I'll, yeah, post, so I'll post it on the yeah. Substack. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, we, <laughs> he's a genius. We we are gonna get out of here now. We are gonna get okay. out of here now, but. Um, no, go go read Matt's new piece uh, over at Reason, his book review, Thank pro democracy you. journalism's uh, problem with the facts. Uh, the go read it um, because I'm sure it's interesting. I haven't read it yet, but I did just open it up to add it to uh, Matter because I've been using Matter instead of Instapaper. It's not an ad, but I do like it. Um, uh, and Matt, I am oh, noticing the photo that is there. It's actually really good. Yeah, and as soon okay. as I started I reading it and I, I tweeted about it. Yeah, the team yeah. like reached out to me and um, asked for suggestions and stuff. So I'm happy to plug them here because it's matter. it's really good. Yeah, I, it's, it's I better, believe it's I Get Matter app is the uh, is okay. the because I use Pocket. Um, yeah, it's and... it's better than Pocket. Okay. It's better than Pocket without right. a doubt. I mean, it's got it's got highlighting and and a bunch of and actual Ooh, notes because yeah, like okay. um, yeah. Pocket has some like limited note um, limited highlighting but no annotation, which is just I mean I don't know why, but also the tagging is built in and a bunch of other stuff, and you can subscribe to. Now I'm doing a full on ad for them. Yeah, God, this, 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 this is, is not just, right. Sure. This is not Say right. Matt's shit is good, and then we're yeah, good. Matt's thing is good. You can also sign up for Matter, and <laughs> you maybe maybe they'll pay me anyways. And I'm not getting paid for this, but I should. Um, but the picture of Margaret Sullivan at the top of this story, Matt, is just A+. Yeah. I mean, she looks high as a kite. Like, What is going on there? <laughs> that is amazing. Um, Does she always look like that? I will. I will. I'm not. I'm not commenting say on her this, looks because she's a woman. On, I'm commenting on her looks because she looks super high. This is <laughs> this is on the free podcast, and so maybe I'll watch my words a little bit more closely. But like, I was looking for a photo from the last five years from her um, that would be uh, uh, maximally representative and suitably flattering. Just a good photo of a person, 
and um and that is um oh that's that what was you're, it. It was like, <laughs> you're uh, into <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't designed it to wasn't make like crack up. it wasn't it wasn't designed to make anyone crack up at all at all and i spent a, a fair amount of time doing that um uh, because like uh you don't want to yeah uh, yeah, no, you don't true. want to 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 undermine your okay, argument. So you're just bad at so, no, bad at selecting she, selecting photos. I mean, it's kind of like your your taste in shorts. I invite you. Yeah. I invite you to use all of the of the tools at your disposal yeah. to and find a photo that you deem more yeah. I could I could appropriate and respectful. I could send you some when she you know when she's she has she has uh, these kind of like uh, interesting uh, kind of eyes when she looks up. Um, sort of like a, they, they have portent to them. That's just a, that's a natural uh, expression. Yeah, I just want to say I've never hated our podcast as much. As <laughs> <I've ever>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just well, going to hang up. I don't. Well, I'm wondering if we're going to yeah. get in trouble bye. for this. Do you get in bye. trouble for talking about this? Bye. Did you say bye? <laughs> bye. I'm so tired of you guys. Bye. We, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. Follow